2: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery. The show that whatever will be will be is going to Wembley. Sarah Sarah. Oh yes, absolutely. Now Chelsea never make it easy for you, do they? On a freezing afternoon in Leicester, they went ahead with a brilliant goal by Morata, set up by William, and then looked in complete control until, of course, Leicester scored a scrappy goal on 75 minutes to make it one-one. Cue collective head wobble and we were lucky to take it to extra time. Thankfully, Conte got the substitutions right by bringing on Pedro, who scored the winner with his head, as the first half of extra time came to an end. But the nails were bitten down to the quick until the ref blew the whistle for full time. Chelsea never make it easy, do they? But, thanks to the nifty finger work from Franco Zola and Paticek, we are now drawn against Southampton in another FA Cup semi-final. I've lost count of how many they are. Somebody will tell me, I'm sure, but according to Sky, I think it might be the 23rd FA Cup semi-final, which is amazing. But there you go. Beyond my wildest dreams. Anyway, uh, it appears appears that Chelsea's season is not over yet after all. Well, perhaps not until April the 22nd anyway. But that, dear children, is for another day. The Chelsea fancast 419, palpable relief. Indeed it is. And uh, as always, as ever, by my right-hand side, the one, the only, the Mr Jonathan Kiddo.
1: Sort of metaphorically by your right-hand side, because I'm oh. in, uh, in a, a room in Barnes and you're in, uh, in Winchester, but it works don't, very well. Uh, don't
2: shatter you. the illusion. You were on my right-hand side on Friday, though. I was, I was, but I was
1: a bit childish, which I agree that is the problem, because you're not there to slap me down.
2: No, well, I won't be there on Friday, so you will have a lot of responsibility.
1: <laughs> Rubs hands together gleefully. Uh,
2: do you know what? I won't even be able to hear it because I shall be at a gig. Yeah, but well, it would be yeah, foolish? so to I'll never it, know, it, wouldn't
1: it? You'll never I'll, know. I'll
2: yeah. never know. I'll never know what happened until they. Can I say I love the Monday. title
1: of the show, Chich? Palpable relief. Thank, thank you. Thank um, you. A yes. reference to uh, to Clayton's palpable discord. Mm. Very
2: good. Indeed. Well, you know. As I said, Jonathan, I will never know how the show went until they phone me up on Monday morning and say, don't bother coming in next Friday. <laughs> but I'm sure they won't. Um, anyway, enough of all that. Uh, I've got, I mean, this is uh, one of those episodes where the, the, the quirk of fate of the, uh, the great scheduling god in the Chelsea fancast sky conspires to bring two incredibly intelligent, forthright and sensible people on the show. So this, I promise you, will be a very erudite show. There'll be very little silliness, even though Jonathan and I will try our hardest. But we've got a wonderful, lovely, two great friends of mine, actually. Delighted to have back, as again, the fantastic Liam Toomey from ESPN. Pleasure to be
3: back. Thanks for having me, Chich.
2: My pleasure. Absolutely. Always lovely to have you on the show, Liam. And, of course, the ever so wonderful my boss, Mr. Oliver Harbord. How are you, Ollie? <laughs> very well, Chich. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. From the fabulous football. Lot, dot London, I should, of course, add. I'm very well, mate. And how are you? You okay? I'm very well, though
4: I'm not so much looking forward to Friday now, seeing as I know that I have to look after J.K. and keep him in order at Love Sport. <laughs> yeah, um, which yeah, you, mate. is, no, after
1: is you. probably past... after you. No. Oh, okay, that's fine you. then. That's absolutely fine because hey, I was going to cause hell
4: as well. So.
2: Please, <laughs> I'm I, I'm astonished that both of them are clamouring to take over the chidge role. You know, Obviously obviously the responsibility doesn't weigh too heavily. Yeah, I've been actually quite sulky little petulant child for the last two shows. I need to man up and get with the programme a bit, which I'm going to do when I come back on it. But there you go. Uh, it's because I have a huge ego and I don't like it being offended by somebody taking control of things. That's what my therapist tells me anyway. Um, anyway, enough of me and my therapist. Uh, I'm glad to say that uh, uh, in, in some senses the match against Leicester was therapeutic. Well, the ending was... But uh, the, uh, the the 120 minutes that preceded it was enough to drive anybody up the wall. No doubt we will be talking about that later. But uh, before that, we're going to look back at the disappointing defeat to Barcelona. I'm afraid we do have to do it. Uh, of course, we were knocked out of the Champions League. But uh, to cheer us up a little bit, uh, we have a message from a Chelsea legend. He may also have been a captain and a leader too. Ooh, I'll let like you it. ponder exactly. who that might be. Mm. Oh, uh, in part two in part two, we marvel at the indestructibility of N'Golo Kante we ask, has Maratta turned a corner, is Caballero better than courtois? we discuss hashtag things that make th- I'll try that again, get my teeth in we discuss hashtag things that Moses can't cross and ask, is winning the f a Cup more important than finishing in the top four. And uh, wait for it, folks. This is absolutely not to be missed. In part three, we have a fantastic interview with the former Chelsea player, Frank Sinclair. Uh, Anybody who listened to the uh, Love Sport edition of this show last Friday would have heard from Frank calling in live. But earlier in the day, I recorded a 15, 20-minute interview with him all about his Chelsea career. And it was was really, really good. And and if you don't listen to that, then you need your heads testing. But there you go. Uh, And in part four, to wrap up, as always, we've got more of your emails from Jonathan to read out. Now, don't forget, as always, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And, of course, you can chat with all the other lovely people in there by posting on the live chat page. Of course, at any time you like, please tweet us at Chelsea Fancast and just let us know what you think about anything, really. We've got loads of people in Mixler, as always. The usual suspects are there. Uh, Kurt S. So what? A- Akshay More or what? However, I pronounce his name. Sorry, Akshay. Vinda Blue. Steve Moer. The, uh, the Reverend Tony Glover. And incidentally, I, I, I was uh, hugely privileged to uh, to do um, a podding shed with Tony and Donal and Quecks uh, last. I can't remember what it was now. Thursday, I think. It's an absolutely humdinger of a show because. You know, rather than talking about the games like we do on this show, we, we kind of had a bit of a state of the nation about Chelsea. I commend it to you. Go and check it out. Tony is a legend, as we all know. Benji Toes in there. Rob Coombe. Dino Mears. John Chips Chiverton. Baba Chelsea. Blue in Oz. I could go on, but I'll be here all night just reading Who's in Mixler, which would be pretty crap radio, really, wouldn't it? But there you go. Um, right. Uh, talking of radio, uh, for those of you who have yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest, uh, the Chelsea Fancast uh, is now uh doing a show on a friday night with the people at love sport radio um it kicks off at seven o'clock uh till nine o'clock on a friday um i won't be on it next week uh which some may say is an absolute blessed relief uh instead you'll have the pleasure of jonathan really? who's on it pretty much every week with me and uh, clayton behrman who was on last week and we'll get to be on it again this friday and Ollie, Ollie Harbord, who's on with us tonight. So it'll be a little bit interesting and uh, very much devoid of chidge. Uh, not a bad thing, I hear many of you say. Um, of course, the best thing about it um, is that uh, it's a bit more of a debatey show. Uh, and the idea is that you ring up and you can talk to us live and tell us what a La- load of rubbish we talk live. La- um, and what is the number, Jonathan? And by the way, it's 0208. I've got it wrong in the script. Can you read it out in the style of what you would do it in in Love Sport Radio?
1: um uh 0207 70
2: 25 58 i got it wrong actually
1: 0207 70 two oh
2: no it's 0-2-8, oh, it o two eight, darling take 3 <laughs> take 3
1: 0207 so, hang on a second to- 0-2-0-8, jonathan take 0-2-0-7.
2: 4 this is like this is like your voiceover film that you made it isn't is, it is, sorry uh, darling uh, it's 20208 script problem 0207 uh, uh, 70 oh for fuck's sake i'll read it <laughs>
0: 0208 eight, 70 seven, 20
2: seven. 58 <laughs> can do it right this time 020 77
1: 02 <laughs> oh, I can't do it you do it yeah 0208 <laughs>
2: 70 0208 five, five, eight, 70 20, five, five, eight. There we go. A very good impression of me, and uh, I hope, hope, hopefully, my, your agent will be in touch with me for some voiceover gigs in the near future. <laughs> you can do the. 2 anyway, look. Doing if you
1: if you... do both uh, the tomorrow, do them. Is yes. it horrible? What have you got yeah, tomorrow? No, it, no, it. Uh, channel, it's uh, film four, and uh, and uh, a discovery promo.
2: Really? Yeah. Film yeah. four. You have to yeah, quite yeah, kind film of four. film four. Film it's four. A great it's movie. Like yeah, Thursday. Made by five, Thursday. Yeah. No, no. Bob the Hurt Film made, for. Yeah, made by one of Britain's greatest directors. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Whereas Discovery's more kind of, all a bit more Discovery. like that, really. A bit quizzical. Yes,
1: like, you yes. know everything, Chitch. you should be That's doing right.
2: Yeah. Well, I used to be a director, mate. I should do, you know. Ooh, you know ooh, you. Ooh. <laughs> but, you know, Discovery Channel's a, yes, and we've got rabbits being fucked by tigers or whatever, you know. It's Funnily enough, that's exactly it? what I'm doing. How did is you that, know is, that? is that? Is that exactly what you're doing? Yeah. There you yeah, go. Anyway, yeah. Jonathan and I, you know, give us an inch and we take a mile. Yeah. We should both shut up and send ourselves to a very quiet room and sit in the corner for well, we've got to say a show. bit show. We've
1: got to say a bitchage, because you've got two of the best people on ever.
2: I so. know, and we won't we just, get a look-in after, we after now. We won't, we won't, so I've no, got to speak a bit we now. Won't. now. <laughs> anyway, look, Love Sport Radio. Love Sport Radio is on 558am. It's on uh, the digital radio channels, uh, and you can actually get it really just by going to lovesportradio.com. Uh, or if you've got something like a, a radio player app or tune in you can get it there. The best thing, as I said, is you can listen to this show all around the world. Doesn't, you don't have to just be in London, uh, and you can call in from wherever you are around the world. Probably cheapest and best to do it via Skype, uh, and then you can talk to the boys on Friday. All right, and give that Aaron a hard time. No, don't really. He's, he's actually lovely. He, he, he kind of did the Chelsea thing last Friday, and after after the show, he had a few beers with us, which is really what it's all about. Now, after this short break, we're going to be talking football. You'll be relieved to know Okay, I mean, I'm, I, I kind of apologise for having to go back to the Barca game, but I mean, you know, come on, it's a huge game. We can't not talk yeah. about it, we can't pretend it didn't exist. Um, but for me, you know, Jonathan, I mean, the first thing, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? A few days go past, you reflect on it a little bit more. You know, ultimately, over the two legs, crucial mistakes cost us, but you know, you need, you need luck in the Champions League. You really do. We know this better than most people, and I, and I do feel we didn't really get much.
1: Yeah, but I, I objected to everybody saying any of the commentators patronising, saying they played quite well, Chelsea, given the fact that uh, uh, they lost three 0 You wouldn't have thought so. You know, they tried hard. I thought, I, I know, the the image at the end of our manager cozying up to Messi and grinning, which was will stay with me forever. I thought it was dreadful. I thought we well, you know, we're playing we're we we're, we're playing in the the, the knockout round of the of the uh, Champions League, and we've lost three nil for God's sake with unbelievably schoolboyish errors. I thought it was appalling. I don't care how we rallied and played okay. This should have been more going on. It was it was horrendous, and the fact that the goalkeeper let two through his legs. Oh God, I'm afraid I was in a complete state as a consequence of us losing during the week. And I'm afraid the two days that we've had to, to think about it, the the, the more days I've had, it's made me even more angry about the whole thing. I thought it was just a complete capitulation. And I will come up with my theory, which is that if he hadn't, what, the idea I heard was that he'd spoken to the players who wanted to play Giroud. If he'd played drink water in midfield and not Fabregas, who was just completely useless and because he's, he's not a defender. If he'd played the... The, the same setup as he played against us, played against him in the home leg. I think we'd have we'd have stopped Messi from scoring because that's what we achieved at the Bridge, and we still would have had William doing it. So whether he had to give in to um, to Hazard, um, uh, who was thrown one out of his pram to say no, I don't want to play the Force nine, who was given an opportunity to play play behind Giroud, and what he does is he 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 doesn't turn up. Which is something that I feel we're debating because his inability not to turn up doesn't make him the great player everybody is saying he is this year. But anyway, so I'm I'm afraid it's made me incandescent more the more I think about it, and uh, thank God they turned up against Leicester, but even then they almost didn't. So something is so rotten in that in the club at the moment. I despair of it, and uh, anyway, so that's my reaction to it. I'm sorry.
2: Hmm. You're not a happy man Jake I, I can I can hear that um I I, I I wish I could hear you slightly better than I than I can uh, you're a bit muffled old bean oh um, god
1: I'm right in front of the mic here that's oh no
2: that that was no but that's perfect that was that was bang on so I don't know what happened there um but no mate I you know look I I, I kind of it's 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 just such a weird weird uh after uh, you know a feeling after that match and I, I I do understand I do understand totally why you're angry because I mean you know the reality is is no matter how we dress it up and I I have to think actually that you know they played they played a lot a lot better than 3-0 you know it's one of those kind of matches where they didn't really it it wasn't a 3-0 in my book but the reality is they got beaten 3-0 they got beaten 4-1 over the two legs and They've they've departed Europe with their, their tails firmly between their legs. Um, I mean, Liam, you know, try, try and, I don't know, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you say. I mean, you were out there, I think, weren't you? So, uh, yeah, so yes. you know, what was your view from the press box?
3: Uh, it was very high up. I got what's known as a tactical view <laughs> in the industry. Uh, camp Camp yeah. now is a pretty, pretty big stadium. Um, I've, I've got to say, I, th- I felt a little bit more... Um, i felt that the game was more about barcelona and messi than it was about chelsea to be honest i i thought that i thought that chelsea played um surprisingly well other than about three mistakes um which are the kind of mistakes they weren't making last season so you you're very right to to point those out but um they you know they made i think they made four mistakes across the two games and were punished for every single one and um i think you have to hold your hands up at some stage, and say that the way Messi um, took advantage—I mean, the you know, Fabregas giving the ball away on the halfway line—it was a bad mistake. But it, with most players, it wouldn't have been a fatal one um, for Barcelona's second goal. And 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 Courtois having his legs open at a really tight angle wouldn't have been fatal against most most players. Uh, so I, I think that it was it was a mark of how good Barcelona were. Whereas a team and how great, but Messi is that the scoreline ended up being as lopsided as it was. Clearly, Chelsea are an, are an unbalanced team. Um, I agree with what J.K. said about about Hazard's performance. I think over the two games, he was pretty disappointing, whether he was in a false nine role or or, or in his preferred position on the left. And 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 Willian has clearly on form, overtaken him um, as as Chelsea's big difference maker in the final third and. Uh, you know whether whether that's I, I I don't know what's behind that with Hazard. He's had he's had lulls in form previously in his Chelsea career, but it's just come at a really bad time for them for them this
2: yeah, time let, 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 Yeah, Liam, let let us pick up on this because you know, look, he's human. He's not a bloody robot. So yeah, you know, sometimes we're better at, at sometimes and and sometimes we're not. You know, we're we're human. You know, people aren't a hundred percent all the time. I get that, but. You know, I I think there's a suspicion by a few people out there, both press and supporters, actually, that, you know, he's perhaps not quite as good as he thinks he is. And that, you know, to be a world class player, to be considered a world class player, uh, let alone as good as Messi and Ronaldo, then you've got to be a big game player. You've got to turn up in the big games when your side needs you and you need to get them over the line and win it for them. And we've been blessed, haven't we, in the last fifteen years? Because we had several players like that. Uh, and right now, Hazard's supposed to be our best player. The, he's the guy that we need to look to to get us over the line. And you know, it's not just against Barcelona that he didn't do it. I've kind of, I mean, I've kind of noticed it in other games too. I mean, what? I mean, do you think that's true, Liam? And if so, why? What's going on? Well, what I would say is if you look back over the if you look back over hazard's career at
3: chelsea he has actually been a pretty good big game player he scored he he's tormented he's, he's tormented arsenal time and again his goals his goals and assists against united city um yeah. spurs have, have all been good all of chelsea's domestic rivals he's turned up in those games so i think it's more a question of form there's definitely right. a wide there's definitely a wider point um that he doesn't and and this is I think it's been fairly well documented at this stage that he doesn't have the kind of drive and assertiveness, that sort of um, relentlessness that you know clearly Messi and Ronaldo have in in quantities that we've not seen from from any other players in the modern era. But even maybe of the next band down of of, of players like, like Neymar and Suarez and and people like that, he he doesn't have that same kind of attitude where. He's going to go full pelt for for ninety minutes. You know, even in games when he's playing well, he might score or get an assist, and then he seems like he's sort of content to, you know, d- d- jostle with the ball on the halfway line. You know, do do little neat tricks in non-dangerous areas and and sort of enjoy himself for the rest of the afternoon. And that that's just the player he is. And I think in some ways it's been a blessing in disguise for Chelsea that he is like that because I think if he did have Um, the killer instinct of someone like Suarez in addition to his talent I think he would have left Chelsea long ago I think they would have been forced to sell him to to Real or Barca several years ago Um, so it's a gift and a curse and and obviously it didn't help Chelsea at at, at Camp Nou or in either game against Barcelona.
2: Indeed yeah I mean you know I think I think the answer to that is bizarrely and I think it'd be interesting to hear what Oli says about this is that you know, given what you've just said there, that, you you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too with Hazard. So, you know, you you need, basically, you cannot rely on him as your best and only world-class player. You need other world-class players around him. And I think if you have that, you get the best out of him. And would you think that's a fair point, Ollie?
4: Yeah, I do. And I just think that the problem is he's he's sort of dipped out of form at the wrong time, if you like. Um, maybe it hasn't helped that he's been changed around to play this false nine role, that he obviously isn't comfortable as well and this game big games have come around and he's just you know he has carried Chelsea a lot of times this season and he has got them out of sticky situations even if he's not scored himself necessarily he's he's often been the player that's that's been on the pitch and going right this is the this is the time this is the guy that that's going to get us out of this and they've looked to him to do that um you know even you know you go back to the four-one against Watford as well, where he scored from absolutely nowhere to get them out of the game, and then you know, and then the defense sort of capitulated towards the end. And I just think you know the game was obviously hyped up a little bit between because I think the the thing is in the Premier League we're always looking for our own Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. We we all want someone in the league. I mean, i am say we the press in general, I believe, always want their own Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo to compare to compare the players to, and Hazard. Is not at that level, I don't believe. He's just, he is that one step below. And I do think it comes back to that killer instinct. The amount of times that he gets the ball on the edge of the box, you just think, shoot, just shoot, because he has that ability. And he doesn't, he, he plays that next pass and the move breaks down. And it's a really frustrating trait. that I've, I believe that if he didn't have it, if he had that killer instinct streak in him, he would have gone on and scored way, way more goals. And we could be talking about him, it being to that level.
2: Mm. You know, I, I think, Jonathan, that, that, what what becomes clearer and clearer actually and I, you know kind of picking up on the point that i made about the fact that you know we we've we've become come to rely on hazard somewhat i mean cuz he is a fantastic player there's no two ways about it and in a sense it's a bit hypocritical of me because i remember you know blowing smoke out of his rear end many a time during this season on this show but i think what it tells me is that you know we are a long way behind you know a few years ago we did have maybe four or five world-class players in that side czech terry uh lampard drogba to name but four and and we really just don't have enough of them now and i think that that that's why we're a long way behind and I, you know we talked about this on the on the love sport radio show on friday but you know i have a real fear that we are a long way from winning the champions league again um and and until these things get you know, sorted out. Not least, getting some decent players. I think we're in trouble.
1: Well, it, it looks like it, but I, I think the uh, the summer and uh, if there's a change of manager, which I'm awful thing to say, which I now hope because I, I I can't bear the uh, uh, the vacillations that go on with him having a go at the board all the time. I think if the uh, and and excusing himself really, um, if the uh, if you know from my information. Uh, the board are are going to have a go at at, at buying some world class players, but it's going to be uh, with a different manager. Um, mm. uh, and whether this is is borne out, um, I do because some uh, there've been deductions now that he he might stay, but uh, as far as I can understand, there's a um, it's pretty inevitable that he's going to be going. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I I, I I agree completely that uh, they everybody everybody stepped up and. Uh, um, and even with more money coming into the Premier League, everybody is is improving. So they've got to improve. I think the difference with with um, uh, the Czechs and uh, um, Terries of the world is that we we probably had. I mean, you go back to two thousand and eight, and everybody was was practically world. Well, they weren't. Everybody was world class, but there were a large, large, slightly larger number of world class players. I think it depends what positions they're in. Um, and I think Dave is is uh, is, is great at, um, at right centre of, uh, of of the defence. But it was the fact that JT was in the middle and the fact you had Czech with him. And I'm sorry that Courtois doesn't get anywhere near world-class for me, despite people saying that he is. Um, And uh, uh, I'm happy for him to have a, uh, in in, um, quotation marks, muscular injury, as was stated by by Conte at the weekend and that Caballero played, um, because he has so much personality and he doesn't appear to be making any mistakes. I'm sure Clayton will probably... Object violently to this, but I'm I'd happy be happy for him to play for the rest of the season. Um, and as regards to midfield, um, unfortunately, Fabregas isn't the complete player. Um, we have one complete world class player in, in Kante, but then it's 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 the spread, isn't it? We had Lampard, who was such a wonderful attacking midfielder and scored so many goals. So um, uh, in in comparison, as we've been saying, Hazard doesn't. Um, pull the trigger enough he it's that mm. terrible thing of the number of times he gets in just a, ahead of the goal and i i, I you know and he's in line at, at Stamford bridge i always think yeah there's the opportunity now and uh, uh, and he passes it as, as we as we've just said so it, it's i think we've got world-class players but they're not in the same influential positions that they were in with the, the great players that we had in the past so i think if we was to buy another two world-class players and we'd have six, I reckon that we'd be competitive. Um, uh, And Mm. perhaps squad depth needs to, perhaps you get a couple of other slightly higher standard um, squad players.
2: All is not lost then, and I'm basically being a miserable git, not for the first time in my life, and and I'm kind of, of, you know what, I feel quite buoyant after you talking about that. You know, one thing that struck me actually, that that was really the difference between the two sides, and I think Liam and Ollie both kind of in their own way uh, pointed this out, and Frank Lampard did actually after, after the game, you know, on the one hand, you know, you will get pu- you will get punished by really good teams, teams at this level. And and as I think, I can't remember if it was Liam O'Reilly who said it, but I think it was Liam, you know, four chances, four goals, boom, from, from four mistakes. Uh, if you make a mistake, they're going to punish you. But I think the, the difference was that we weren't able to punish them for their mistakes. And that does speak of a lack of a Drogba or a Costa or a Frank Lampard. And, you know, Frank was wonderfully humble, as you expect from Frank. And he was saying, well, we don't have a Costa and a Drogba. But I would, like you, Jonathan, say we don't have a Lampard either. And, you know, in those days, if the, if another team made a mistake, we were clinical enough and good enough to punish them. And I think, ultimately, that was the difference between the two sides. But, anyway, fear not, people. I have a message here from uh, from somebody that you'll be absolutely delighted to hear from. Um, and it goes something like this.
0: Dave, hello, mate, JT. Thanks for that message. Thank the voice for uh, singing that for me, mate. It means a lot. You know it does. Gutted, mate, actually. I thought we'd done really well, especially after conceding so early. I thought we dominated in first half as well, mate. It could have been so different, but uh gutted, mate. But I thought we'd done ourselves proud, and hopefully we can kick on, mate, and get us back in the top four for next year and go again. Cheers, mate. Listen, safe journey back, and love to all the fans, mate, all right? Cheers, mate.
2: Well, if uh, JT's happy, I'm happy. And uh, on that happy note, uh, we're going to go to a break, and then we'll be back in part two to Marvel. Uh, the indestructibility of N'Golo Kante, ask Maratta. has Maratta turned a corner? Is Caballero better than Courtois? We're going to discuss uh, hashtag things that Moses can't cross and ask is winning the FA Cup more important than finishing in top four? In other words, we're going to be talking about Chelsea beating Leicester in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. We'll be back in a minute. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions.
1: I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast.
4: Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea.
2: right welcome back i'm stanford chidge and you're listening to the chelsea fancast and uh, i've got the wonderful uh jonathan kidd
1: oh chidge how nice to be wonderful thank you you're wonderful too
2: and i'm loving seeing you every, you know in the flesh as it were every week it's, it's, <laughs> it's joying up my life in a big styly
1: it is fun it's very good fun slightly is, childish childish but fun
2: it is indeed. And uh, we've also got, we, we're just blessed. I mean, how, how lucky are we to have uh, two fantastic journalists on the show tonight uh, in, the, in the form of Liam Toomey from ESPN.
3: Looking forward to covering another game at Wembley.
2: Mm, absolutely. I'm looking forward to going to Wembley again. And uh, the fantastic Oliver Harbord from football.london.
4: Yeah, I'm looking forward to Wembley as well now. <laughs> I missed the last semi-final last year because my sister was getting uh, married. So I'm looking forward to a semi-final at Wembley this time.
2: Absolutely. Now, I can see from our... Uh, we've also got lots of people uh, who are listening live on uh, uh, Mixler. Live! Loads live. of mates in there. It's fantastic to see them all. The Chelsea Chelsea Fancast Hardcore Firm. I love them. Uh, but they are absolutely wetting their pants about the fact that they, they've just heard that wonderful message to the supporters, really, from JT, uh, and I should, of course, uh, give massive and huge credit to the legend that is uh, DJ, also known as He Who Must Not Be Named, uh, or more familiarly, Only a Pound. Hurry up, uh, to whom that message was originally sent, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I he, he basically texted it to me and said, "What do you think of this?" And uh, quick as a flash, I texted him back and said, "Mate, can I run it in the show?" And he said, of course you can. Uh, JT sent the message to the supporters. So so by all means, run it. So Mm -hmm. DJ, mate, you're an absolute legend and I love you. And I'll try, therefore, in some recompense, Dino will appreciate this. He's in Mixer at the moment. In some recompense, I will try and get my CFC UK article in before midnight on Friday to say thank you. But yeah, that's brilliant. And, And don't we all miss JT? What an absolute legend the man is. Uh, things ain't quite the same without him. Um, At this juncture, I should just uh, make a quick plug and shout-out for uh, ChelseaFanCast.com, a wonderful website that now, thanks to the efforts of Gion Carbis and uh, loads of uh, people who he's encouraged to write for us, um, who are all fantastic, and thank you so much for that, please check it out. There are articles coming out of every orifice at the moment on the ChelseaFanCast.com website. Check them out, they're well worth a read. Right, uh, as promised, I said that we would talk about Leicester, and now we are about to. Um, now, I, I wrote an article about this today, sadly not for Ollie, for other people that I write for, um, and then I couldn't put it on their website, so I don't think it's gone out, which is a bit of a shame. But the uh, the key the key thing here is uh, N'Golo bloody Cante, mate. I mean, always believe in N'Golo <laughs> You've got the power to know. He's indestructible. He certainly is. I mean, blimey, man of the match performance—that goes without saying. But you know, we were talking, J.K., weren't we, about Hazard being world class, and of course, the other the other uh, member of the team who, you know, tends to get mentioned as world class is Courtois. You know, uh, Hazard disappeared against Barcelona. Arguably, wasn't that effective against Leicester. Courtois couldn't keep his legs shut against Barcelona, had a poor game and uh, mysteriously was uh, you know, not available through an injury. But, you know, we talk about world-class players. Blimey, we've got one in midfield. He's called N'Golo Kante. If you can name me a better defensive midfielder in world football today, I will eat my stopwatch, J.K. Oh,
1: yeah, but also unbelievably consistent as well. Uh, yes, absolutely. fitness and work rate and dedication is... is absolutely phenomenal and you would hope that he could inspire others um but i i, I you know the, the 20 minutes where after they'd scored where the the panic set in um we're a better team than that and uh I was confused by that because he he is uh they should really take their their uh, pursuit of excellence from him um yeah he, he and never humility
2: stopped. yeah
1: yeah br- brilliant brilliant interviews afterwards a f- very very humble man. Um, He's lovely, but, isn't he? He's only five oh,
2: foot five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And and he drives a mini, Jonathan. I know he does Well, it has
1: being five kid, I'm very little. I'm I'm five foot seven and I drive a mini. It's about being Do small, you? you see. Yeah, I've got a mini mini Cooper, yeah.
2: I thought you'd you'd be like the footballers, covered in bling and driving a Ferrari, mate. You've let me down here.
1: Yeah, sorry. No, that is. I'm I'm a bit of a, I'm a or bit a Bentley.
2: Of a, uh, I see you in a Bentley, actually, Jonathan. I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit of enigma- enigmatic, chidge. That's what it
1: is. It's got oh, jeweled oh. seats, of course. Has and it? It's got a, it's got a jeweled uh, steering wheel. Yeah, and it's got platinum uh, hubcaps. Yeah, don't come. So around your cars steer. all
2: your cars all verjazzled up? Is it?
1: Of course, he would have to be yeah, to go with the fact that the mm. manservant drives it. Of course,
2: of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, bottom bottom line about Cante J K is, you know, I I love the guy. He's, you know, the humility I think is important. I mean, he's he, he's not your average flashy football. He's a bit of a throwback to to the better days gone by. Um, I mean, I'm minded of what jo, uh, of what uh, Jose Mourinho said about Aspilicueta that if we, if you know if we had eleven. Aspies in the team would win the Champions League if we had 11 Kantes in I think we'd win it but uh, you know beyond beyond what happened at Leicester which I think was a superb performance um, you know surely uh, surely Liam he's got to be a contender for our player of the year Chelsea's player of the year I mean of course last year he won uh, the players player of the year so clearly the players know his value annoyingly the supporters vote for player of the year so as always the hazard fanboys will turn out but frankly you know if anybody deserves to win both it is kante in my opinion
3: yeah absolutely um he's been he's been phenomenally consistent as jk said i think obviously willian's come on strong in the last couple of months but he hasn't had an entire season like kante just a a, a stat from the barcelona game that, that struck me that Kante single handedly took the ball off Barcelona thirteen times. Lying. Which there are entire teams that don't do that to Barcelona. That, he, yeah. he's, he's an absolute monster in the middle of the pitch. Um and I, I was just as impressed actually against Leicester with the way that he controlled the game with the ball. Yeah.
2: Um, because
3: that when he when he first came to Chelsea, that was the one area of his game that was, you could argue, you know, a little bit deficient. He was fantastic at getting the ball back, but his options in terms of what he could do with it at his feet, were quite limited. But he's massively improved his passing range um, since he's been at Chelsea. He's perfected that switch of play, and and even his even his short range passing. I, I felt he actually controlled the midfield at times against Leicester, especially in that first half when when Chelsea were looking to sort of stabilise. Um, and and that's quite something to say when he's playing alongside Fabregas and. And that ostensibly is what is what Fabregas is there to do. So he's he's become a midfielder. He's become increasingly close to a complete midfielder. I think he maybe just he maybe just needs to add a couple more goals to his game, which may or may not happen. But even if it doesn't, he's still probably Chelsea's most important player. I mean, you can say Hazard, Hazard is the most talented, but I don't think that the system Conte plays works without Kante.
2: Mm. well I think it doesn't matter what system we play uh, Kante's (laughs) would be good in any one of them I mean Ollie you know all all the talk of uh, you know Courtois or or Hazard bailing out in the summer I'm beginning to think uh, as Liam was alluding to there that the bigger loss would it be if we lost Kante because I really do think he is irreplaceable
4: yeah I completely agree and you only have to go back to the games earlier in the season where he was out injured for a little while and you know they they couldn't get hold of that midfield when it was Bakayoko and Fabregas, you know, they were overrun by Palace away and he was, you know, he was such a, a, a key part that was missing of that. I just think the guys just his work rate is just incredible. And, and as you rightly say, if if they'd had another guy next to him, who'd been, who'd been, you know, at that, his level as well, or at least being consistent, then that midfield would be absolutely superb. I feel like a lot of the mm. time this season, he's had to do it all himself in that middle of the park, which only accentuates just how good he is and shows how good he is. Um, you know, he is that. We talk about that final third, but I've got to say that ball into Pedro for the goals. I mean, you could say Kasper Schmeichel's goalkeeping was pretty poor, but it was a wonderful little clip over to Pedro for the goal as yeah. well. So he obviously death, does have... Death, he does not Absolutely, yeah. He really picked it out. And, you know, to get... Pedro's not a big guy. So to, to slot it in between the likes of, uh, you know, Maguire and Wes Morgan to get it onto his head was pretty impressive. I just think the guy... He's just an all-round impressive guy, and and you know he's he is humble with it as well. Like in in for example in Barcelona, he was supposed to do the press conference before the game, and uh, it turned out to be Willian to do it in the end because uh, apparently shyness overcame Kante. and that's just the uh, it's the sort oh, of guy oh, he is. He's he's just such a you know a humble guy. Uh, and he all he wants to do is work hard on the pitch, and it
2: and it shows. Hmm. That's, uh, well, there we go. I mean, we could do a whole show on Kanto and I think he would absolutely bloody well deserve it. But uh, sadly, we don't have enough time to do that. But uh, next thing I wanted to talk about, really, uh, and I'll, I'll stick with you, Ollie, if I may. Mm. Um, I thought Maratta was interesting, you know. Uh, and, and, I mean, I, I've said, you know, or, or posing the question, has he turned a corner? And, and what I mean by that is not oh, well, it's all right now, he's all fantastic because I don't necessarily think that's the case. But I, I, I was I was impressed with the goal he scored. I think he put it away absolutely beautifully. And I think, you know, OK, on another day, he wouldn't have slipped offside and scored an absolute worldie at the other end later on. But what impressed me most about him was that there was a lot less of the stuff that's been annoying us to distraction recently, which is you know, going over when somebody breathed on him and staying down and rolling around. He seemed to be a lot more up for the fight and he was getting into people. And, you know, I mean, I think Morgan did bully him a little bit first half, but when he got that goal, he seemed to change a lot more. And I I was encouraged by that performance. And I I hope, I hope that it is a turning point for him. But uh, what what do you think?
4: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's crucial that it's a turning point for him, really, because I think if Chelsea want to have any top four hopes they need his goals to go along with it because as though Giroud has been quite impressive, you know, he has missed some chances as well since he's joined. Um, Yeah, I've got to say, I did feel like his confidence grew as the game went on. I still thought at first he was still a little bit out of it. Uh, He was dropping quite deep. He was coming to get the ball instead of being around the box looking to sort of sniff out those chances. And there was one moment where he had a shot uh, quite early on in the first half. And then I just noticed from then his confidence really grew into the game. And that finish was was absolutely superb and he really needed it. Everything about it was was excellent. I, I really do hope it is a turning point because he needs to have a good end to the season. You know, you can't say it is a turning point yet because obviously that's only his first no. goal since Boxing Day. So, uh, you know, if he scores, if he rips in the winner against Spurs... Um, on the next Premier League game, then I'm sure it, it, you could probably say he is starting to turn the corner a bit. Um, mm. I think I, I'd like to see him a little bit more. There were times where he still clutches his head, he still goes down, he still does those sort of things, and there were moments where he could have potentially got a yellow card because he did go, he was a bit rash on a couple of occasions uh, with some well, tackles. I mean, I,
2: I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I mean, you, I, I mean, I was privy to the television, uh, you know, coverage of it, and I suspect you weren't because you were there mm. and to be fair, I mean, I think it was, uh, it was, um, uh, Murphy. He, he got
1: done, name? didn't he? He did it, didn't he? What's his
2: name? Murphy. Danny Cameron's Murphy. First name. Thank you. Danny Murphy. Mm. You know who I actually quite like. I think he's quite a decent pundit. And he, he looked at it on the replay and he said, "Ah, oh, no, fair enough. You know, he's, he's just going for the ball. That's fine. Mm. And showing a bit of passion about it. So, you know, um, OK, I accept on another day some referee would have been a cock and booked him for it. But uh, I don't think it was that nasty. To be I, I,
4: only, I only say that just because of what's happened the last few times he's played. And he's picked yeah. up ne- needless yellow cards for yeah. that sort of acts of, you know, slight, slight petulance, if you like. I know he's obviously going for the ball there, but just parts of it was going, oh, that was a little bit. Maybe he could have easily got a yellow card for, for a certain a
2: couple of things. Can I just ask a Thing question? Is, here, yeah, I was going to ask you. Can I ask you a question oh, yeah. first? Because yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just picking up from what Ollie said, J.K. You know, and and we're talking about Maratta looking a bit more angry and passionate and getting stuck in. You know, we've been talking for weeks, haven't we, on the show about his mentality being wrong, and maybe that that's what I'm talking about about the turning point. Maybe, you know, maybe he's getting it that he has to actually, you know, sh- put put it out. You know, put it out on the pitch, be a bit more aggressive.
1: Well, I thought he was more of the player that we'd seen earlier in the season,
3: actually. Yeah.
2: And I was very
1: impressed and I was trying to work out what it was. Now, the question I was going to ask was, if I wonder whether he was playing slightly differently because he didn't mm. seem to have his back to the goal that often. So he wasn't mm. being asked to hold the ball up as much because it's always been in those situations where he's got his, his back to the, to the goal, where, he, where he's, he's backed into somebody and fallen over. And I, I actually saw him more as a, more free flowing. He seemed to get the ball in space a lot. So I was trying to work out what, how that that was different. Whether they'd set up slightly differently. Um, but uh, no, he was uh, much more committed. In fact, I thought we were watching the Morata of uh, of, uh, of early on. And I then it made me think. Hang on a second. If he if if that's the player that we had and, and we're going to have for the future, then he's well worth it. Because that, to me, was a was a top display, Um, except it it, and it it didn't appear to be the same. You know, I've got to hold the ball up and spray it off, which is what I think. The problem is you've got the the precedent of having Costa, who was capable of everything. Costa was capable of bullying, holding the ball up and bullying and doing the kind of making, doing the kind of making the kind of goal and sprinting ahead that Morata does. Morata doesn't quite have that yet that ability to hold the ball up and yet the other skills he's got which is you know pinpoint and that volley that was offside that hit the bar was was brilliant very similar to the uh, to the one against Man U so he's clearly an accomplished player and as you know that thing it might be just down to confidence but I just I felt that he was playing more like a winger um not that we have wingers anymore because you've got you know Moses and uh, and Alonso but um uh, he, he seemed to find the space more and not Playing this, oh, I've got to stand here and be bullied by Morgan. Because the problem is, is he gets really exasperated whenever the centre half um, kicks him. Because in many instances, um, he, he hasn't got the, the dark arts yet, Murata, which is backing in. And uh, the, you know, Mark Hughes is always my, my kind of template for appalling behaviour as a centre forward. But, you know, you just constantly back in and constantly elbow somebody. Um, but he looks a bit lightweight when he's playing that role. But every other aspect of him, I think he's uh, potentially excellent. So I thought we were we were suddenly viewing the Murata of um, uh, of before, and it works so well. And uh, whether mm. it's just that you need the combination of having Kante in the team and him and uh, somebody giving it, and I um, I know I noticed Dave tried to to play that pass quite on several occasions. Um, but it, I think they were very wise to that lesson. Yeah,
2: they have. They look like they do, don't they? Um, yeah. yeah, good stuff, mate. Let's hope that's the case. I just want to move it on, uh, Liam. To uh, you know, Courtois uh, didn't play. Apparently, he's got a muscular injury. I think it was from trying to close his legs so quickly. But uh, Caballero got the heads up. Um, there is another view which says that you know Conte's picking, uh, you know, picking a team for the cup matches as opposed to the league matches. But uh, you know, my my gut feeling is that Courtois is is the number one keeper at the club, but you know, with all the the the, the flirting with the Atletico Madrid, and uh, you know, he, I, I I'm thinking that he he like other Belgians is a lot better than he thinks he is. Um, Caballero, I thought, did a, did a superb job yesterday. I thought he played very well. I thought he was unlucky with the goal, actually. I, they were, I think they're a bit harsh uh, on the commentary saying that it was his mistake. I don't think it was. I think he was just a bit unlucky. But I thought he put a decent display. And I think what I'm alluding to, really, is that would it be the biggest disaster in the world if Courtois shipped off to Madrid and we got a big fat fee for him and we keep Caballero and perhaps get a young but a young good keeper as an understudy or even as a, a competing number one? Or like well, Jack Butland, for example. Well, I think that
3: if um, if Courtois were to leave this summer, I think Chelsea's plan very much would be to sign a big name goalkeeper. I think Caballero mm. was brought in to be the experienced safe, pairs, safe pair of hands, second choice, and I think his his status won't change, depend regardless of what happens with Courtois. Um, I do agree that Courtois has probably been a little bit disappointing this season, um, But... Another interesting aspect to what could be happening with him with his future is that is he is he actually the kind of goalkeeper that if you're if you're an elite team you you actually want because and I, I'm referring specifically to his ability with the ball at his feet actually. Um you know, you look at goalkeepers like Ederson who has now quickly become the template for for modern goalkeepers everywhere with what he's done in, in that guardiola team. Even David de Gea has got an excellent range of passing with the ball at his feet, able to act as a, an eleventh outfielder. Now I know that Courtois has put in an awful lot of work in training um, to improve that aspect of his game, but he's still probably not a match for the best goalkeepers in the world in that in that aspect. And um, I think you know he—it's no coincidence that he looked brilliant at Atlético Madrid in a Diego Simeone team where he wasn't asked to do that. There was a deep line defense in front of him and he, it was all about his shot stopping and his, his reflexes. And I do believe actually when he's, when he's on top form, which we haven't seen from him for a while, I, I do think he's world class as a shot stopper in terms of, and in terms of commanding his area. Um, I thought Caballero did well. Against against Leicester, particularly because historically his weakness has been uh, getting a little bit flappy on crosses, uh, yeah. and he's he's not always been great at that. But he was pretty solid, and yeah, as you say, Chidge, I think he was a bit unlucky with the goal. I'm surprised to hear mm-hmm. that the pundits went in on him. um The the ball just fell kindly for for Vardy in the end. But he he had a solid game, and I think that's one of the things that that Chelsea have have gotten right in the last few years is. <laughs> It's not a huge thing to get right, but it can be important at times. The, the yeah. second, the second-choice goalkeeper. I think Begovic was a de, was, was a, a perfectly decent second choice. I know he got criticised at times. Um, I, d- I do think it's quite a difficult job to do because you don't have the rhythm of playing every week, and you don't have the chemistry with your defenders. But if you can get a pretty capable goalkeeper who's happy to sit on the bench, you know there, there aren't too many of them around, and, and Chelsea have done no. pretty well at finding them.
2: They have indeed. I mean, I, I I've often thought actually that uh, you know that, that that Courtois was kind of bought as a replacement for Czech, but like so many things that Chelsea does, uh, we we got the right replacement about five years too late because goalkeeping had moved on. And you're right. I mean, a, a lot of the top clubs have got goalkeepers who are basically playing as a as an auxiliary sweeper at the back, and therefore have to be good with their feet and. You know, check and uh, Courtois are in a similar mould. Big keepers who, who are great, great keepers in terms of their shot stopping, but not too clever with the old feet. But there you go, such is life. Um, right, going to move it on uh, very quickly. Just a bit of fun, really. Uh, our, our mate, those who know him on Twitter, uh, Terry Neighbour, Terry the Blue, who's a hilarious chap and a great a great chap to go for a beer or ten with, I can tell you. Um, but he, <laughs> he came up with a brilliant hashtag yesterday, because I've got to be honest, Moses drove me up the wall yesterday. I was saying to Liam before we went on air because I watched it at home on telly, which for me is the equivalent of being in a padded cell. I spent most of my my afternoon shouting a lot at the time. I behave in a completely different way when I'm watching the game on the telly than I am when I'm in the match. At the match, I'm wonderful. I'm supportive, cheering, providing encouragement. But when I'm watching on TV, I'm swearing at the TV and threatening to kick it every five minutes. And uh, the the prime cause for that uh, anger was, in fact, Victor Moses' Uh, And largely because of his complete and utter inability to cross a ball and find a Chelsea player, which I find just so irritating. And anyway, Terry came up with the hashtag, hashtag things that Moses can't cross. So I'm going to kick the ball rolling. Uh, His fingers, Jonathan, I I, 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 I give you fingers. And what do you raise it to?
1: Oh, my God, this is the pressure. Chich. What bloody hell. He can't cross. (laughs) You've got um, three seconds. He can't cross his rosary beads.
2: Oh, like that, Ollie.
4: Uh, well, it's more for Courtois, but he can't cross his legs. Oh, like that, uh, Liam.
3: Oh, God! Yeah. I, I thought going Pressure. third. I thought going third would be good, but um, there there are fewer options now.
1: Hot cross buns. Say hot cross buns.
3: Can't can't cross his buns. That uh, that could be <laughs> yeah. that could be misinterpreted oh, and oh. taken out. of contact. It could. It, <laughs> I don't it,
2: want to it get angry. It would aggravated. be painful as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you're you're terrible, aren't you? You're absolutely, you, you fa- all of you failed miserably. The street, the road, his fingers, his dreadlocks—this is all from Mixler. They're brilliant. Uh, his eyes—I uh, mean, you know—I tell you what, though, the reality is he can't cross a bloody ball, and uh, in many respects, that's what he's for. Although, having said that, chaps, and 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 I'll I'll go to Ollie on this one. Uh, I have to say. Um, you know, I mean, again, the the intensity of watching on TV is all a bit too much, and you get a bit kind of black and white about things. But I have to be honest and say, one one thing he did do brilliantly yesterday was he defended very very well, which is the other half of his job. And in fact, there was a block that he made late on which kept us in the game, uh, and I think he did a very good job uh, shepherding uh, whoever was attacking down uh, Leicester's left wing. Uh, you know, throughout the game, so you know we shouldn't be too harsh on him, but you know. He's there to bloody create stuff as well, isn't he, Oli? Come on.
4: Oh, he absolutely is, especially in the style of play that Conte likes to have and and set up his team. I mean, if you look at the wingers they've got, if you call them wingers, Hazard and Willian will cut inside all day long. There's obviously so much space out on those wings for Alonso and Moses to be creative and to to do that job. I think it is really frustrating with Moses and it's just every time it seems to be the first man or it goes too long, and the other side of it is, actually, it's, um, so I've, I've watched quite a bit of the academy games and there's a guy in the academy called Reese James, who's uh, a youngster, very, very talented right back. And he is absolutely sensational about uh, for, with crossing the ball. Um, you know, several times I've seen him put it right onto the striker's head. And I'd love to see Conte just drag him out of the academy and teach Moses how to cross a ball because I know, you know, he's, he's obviously not going to put him into the first team, but you, you could definitely teach him a thing or two about how to cross it. Um, he has to do more in those positions because they are vital, especially when you've got the likes of Giroud, if he starts on the pitch as well. He needs balls to feed off as well. He needs those crosses. And, you know, it's, it's a shame because a lot of the time it, is, it does waste very good opportunities.
2: Mm. Well, I think we should move it on, really. But I will, I will, I will move it on after I've read some brilliant uh, stuff out from uh, the Mixler Peeps. Uh, Dino uh, Dean Mears CFC UK says, "Surprised he got through life in Croydon, having to cross the tram line." Benjito says, "Can't cross the T in Victor." And my favourite one of all is from the wonderful Steve Mower, who, I'll have to be honest, Steve, he is not necessarily the most level-headed person that I know who supports Chelsea, but he has been incredibly level-headed here. He says, anyway, leave Victor alone. I love Victor. I I love Victor too, at the end of the day. I'm just just angry and cross because uh, (laughs) there we go. No pun intended. I was angry and cross, but there you go. Uh, Jonathan, I think we do have to have an honourable mention for Willie Weller on the wing. Willie in tights. Who, Ah. Who knew? yes.
1: Resembling Keith, It was Weller. redolent
2: of Keithy Weller, wasn't it? The great Keithie, Keith Weller, Keithy Weller, Weller on the wing. Who, who I used to love that song. We were forced to
1: sell because the because uh, of the stand because they would uh, yeah. run out of money because of the stand. And he, he, of course, he won a um, uh, a European Cup Winners' Cup medal,
2: and uh, yeah, he played he, really he, well for the
1: brief period that he played for Chelsea. He was fabulous. And one of my favourite. And then he went players. on. He got
2: sold to Leicester, didn't he? Ironically, he did, and then indeed. went on to play for England. He did yeah. indeed. He was a really. And died, died fan. S- sadly, died very young as well, didn't he? Yes. Not that long ago. He did, yeah. he did. But yes. uh, yeah, no, it did well, make me think of that.
1: No, me too. Funny, I remember thinking, bloody hell. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, it was sub-zero, and if I'd been playing, I'd have been playing in my thermals and uh and a Mate, rather, I'll be a, honest with a, you, a, a rather lovely woolly. Um, um, anorak. That's what I'd have had. But if I'd been I know to blame... well,
2: you know, to, to be fair, J.K., I'll be honest with you. I've had my long johns on for the last couple of days, mate. So I'm, yeah. you know, I, I have sympathy with Willie there. Lovely to see him wearing tights as a perhaps a, a an, un, an unthought of tribute to Keithy e. Weller. Uh, if only Willie knew. And of course, Giroux was wearing tights as well. So they're all at it. Um, Liam, uh, you know, we we we've we've all been a bit miserable about Signore Conte recently, uh, and particularly about his subs. Uh, either being the wrong ones or too late. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I, you, you, the guys on Mixon who are listening to the podcast won't know this, but when I when I do the script, I, I kind of, uh, if I've done any, which is, you know, basically when I've been watching the game on telly, I, I, I provide the chaps on the podcast with my contemporaneous notes from the game. Uh, I, to be honest, we've, no, we've not referred to them, but I hope that it's made them giggle, because it kind of gives you an idea of my state of mind. Um, let me just read a couple for you. Uh, there we go, um, and the, uh, there we go. Right, and there, there, and there we go. As predicted, seventy-five minutes. In Leicester get a scrappy goal. Vardy, of course. Caballero unlucky. Fucking typical. Uh, now Chelsea look under the cosh. Should bring Giroud on from Rata who looks done. But the, the best one of all, really. Oh, here we go. No extra time. Chelsea let it slip. Have looked clueless and nervy since since Leicester. Basically, it's like like a kind of a written version of how and- Andy Jacobs talks about Chelsea on Talk Sport. Reading this. Uh, I thought he was the only miserable Cantankerous git. Um, here we go, Pedro on for William a minute into extra time. Why question mark? Well, the reason, Chidge, uh, why is because Pedro scored the winner, mate, and uh, <laughs> William was clearly tired, which is why precisely you are not the Chelsea manager and you sit here doing a bloody podcast on a Monday night, Liam. To be I fair, that's fair Steve, isn't to it? To be
1: fair, to be fair, Pedro what, 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 has what? not been very good this season, no, and yet he was terrific for the period that he was on.
2: Yeah, he bit. was, wasn't he? Yeah, completely. But uh, Liam, yeah, Liam. I mean, to be fa- to be fair, mate, you know, Conte got it right, didn't he? And what do I know? No, <laughs> Not necessarily did. in that order. <laughs> well, I mean, it's
3: all. <laughs> I mean, it's always um, it's always an element of a gamble to it, particularly when you're taking off Willian, who who we've already said has been Chelsea's best player for the for the past few weeks um that was only pedro's second goal of 2018 so that's the other yeah. other element of the gamble there was no guarantee at all that he would be able to make a positive impact but he i think conte um looked at it and he hinted at this in his in his press conference afterwards when he said basically that chelsea just needed energy they needed freshness mm-hmm. they we can't forget that this game was only a few days after the Barcelona experience. And they they did actually expend a lot of energy in that game because it wasn't until Messi's second and Barca's third that they were actually truly out of it. So they, that was a draining experience. And then to go two hours of football with Leicester, um, who are a particularly intense team, I think what wasn't easy and, and William has, has exerted himself more than just about any other Chelsea player in the last in the last few weeks. I'm sure it wasn't all in Conte's master plan to have Pedro come on and, and, and be the big man in the box, uh not nodding in the winner, um and Kante supplying the crosses, but you know, however it comes about, he he he's taken enough flack for his substitutions this season, so he deserves to take the credit for that one.
2: Absolutely right. And we should indeed. And uh, I think that's a good point, actually, and worth remembering. You know, Leicester are a decent side. You know, they really are. I mean, they're on a good run of form. They're eighth in the league. Uh, they may well uh, get into Europe for next season. Uh, and yes, they, uh, they're they a tricky side to play against because they're physical, but they're quick. And they've got some good players. So, I, you know, all in all... It might have been an up-and-down ding-dong of a match. And I have to be honest, even when we went 2-1 up, I was thinking, oh my God, they're going to score again, aren't they? You know, it, There was a horrible inevitability about the whole match for me. But the fact is, they battled through. They won 2-1. It's all about the result. And Kay Sirrah, Sirrah, wherever we'll be, we'll be. We're going to Wembley. And of course, uh, we've got Southampton next, which of course is a bit awkward for me, as I am down in the, in the Shire. Uh, amongst Southampton supporters many of my friends were texting me last night saying uh oh, we've got you in the semi-final yeah yeah I said yeah you should remember that your new manager Mark Hughes has never beaten Chelsea as a manager and they actually bless them because they're only Southampton fans and they're not that cocky really they all sounded really crestful and I felt like I would just kicked a five-year-old <laughs> but there we go such is life Uh, That's what friends are for, really, isn't it? Um, Bottom line is, you know, look, it's a good draw for us. I mean, because it could have been Man United or Spurs at their home ground, which would have been disastrous at this stage. Um, Well done to Padacek and Franco for actually managing to draw uh, the right draw out. Although uh, Lindsay Hipgrove, a lady I worked with many years ago, managed to immediately call out that we were actually playing Man United, bless her. But there you go. We've all made a faux pas like that on live telly. Uh, At least I have. Um... Bottom line is, chaps. Um, Jonathan, it's not. You know, we we. It's a semi-final of an FA Cup. It doesn't matter that Southampton are in the relegation zone. It's not to be taken lightly, is it?
1: No, and as our display, last display at Wembley, proved, we we may not turn up. Uh, so uh, uh, no, we 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 must be careful. They've got to prepare for it, and they've got to be uh, um, energetic and committed. <clears throat> um, but uh, let's be honest, I. I, I I'd rather... Well, I suppose we're on a hiding to nothing. If we lose to Southampton, then um, all the Man United and Spurs fans are going to have a, have a go at us. And uh, um, you know, if we win, everybody will say, well, obviously you win. You're a much better team than them and they're in the bottom three. But uh, I'm relieved, I have to say. I'm, uh, I am I just didn't want to go through the angst of playing Mourinho's team or, or even the Spuds. I couldn't bear it. Um, yeah. so going I'm, out to
2: either of those two would have been yeah, disastrous, Yeah, it?
1: absolutely awful. So... Um, we'll, we'll, well, once we do steamroll the Saints, which we will do, um, it, it'll be one of the two awful teams to play against, and uh, and who knows what happens in a final because it's a final. Yeah,
2: but I mean, you know, none, none of us are saying oh, we're just going to smash smash Saints. It's, it's a done no, deal. No, no, no. But it, I think it really, th-
1: it, it, I agree. But I think it, I think the, the way things are with where we are in the league and the way we should play against them is we, we should, should win. We, we should win. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, in in many respects, actually, it should be a, a less tough game than Leicester away, which actually I yeah. always thought would be a tough game. Yeah, um, and of course that will set up either a, a final against Man United, where we hopefully will send Mourinho uh, back to where he belongs, uh, uh, not in England, or we can absolutely piss on Spurs' strawberry patch, which would be fantastic because of course, you know, they've not won a won the FA Cup since 1991. And they're craving a trophy like a crack addict uh, craves a fix at the moment. Uh, So to, 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 you know, piss on their party would be fabulous. And also um, it would be a joyous uh, revenge for 1967, wouldn't it, Jonathan? Oh, completely,
1: completely. Um, And, of course, the last final we had against them, they won, which was the League Cup, which was... uh, Having you winner, know, we should have beaten them. That was an, an Avron Grant low,
2: wasn't it? Yeah. But yes, I One was. One of the most present. awful, awful matches I've been to. It it was, was, I, I'd never been so depressed at a football oh, match.
1: I was present at the 67 Cup final with my dad.
2: Were well, I thought you were. Yeah, yeah. What and was we, it
1: like? It, um, uh, I don't, didn't have the same appreciation of the, the team as I have now because I was used to them winning, really. Um, uh, that's not true at all, actually, because they hadn't won the FA Cup um, uh, since uh, since never. Since so, I think that was the first final, wasn't it? Since uh, 19, uh, 1915 against um, Sheffield United. Um, but uh, no, it was just they were supposed to win because Chelsea were um, w- were performing better in the league than uh, than Spuds and um, and uh, and had been and, and just didn't turn up on the day um, and were two nil down um, for most of the match and then. Uh, we left actually. We did that dreadful thing of leaving ten minutes early, which of course I don't ever do now. But my dad
2: loyal supporter. I know
1: my dad. My dad couldn't bear it. Um, <laughs> now, fair and enough. Then, mate. And then Bobby Tambling scored uh, after we'd left, but uh, I, I oh, didn't. No. It was it was a very dispiriting experience. And of course they played in all blue, which annoyed me intensely because I wanted them to play yeah. with, uh, with white socks. But um, but yeah, no. Let's. Well, I actually I'd like to play United. I'd like United to. Uh, Dispose of, uh, of Spurs in the semi-final, and then we play United, and then just turn them over because that would be joyous.
2: Well, I think you think I think United would be uh, an easier game in many it respects would. than Spurs. But but uh, what what nags away at the back of my mind is Mourinho's pathological ability to win a trophy whilst being a shit negative manager. But there you go. Um, listen, uh, Ollie, you know even if uh, we we get past. Uh, uh, Southampton, and then you know either Spurs or Man United. Do you think uh, winning the FA Cup will save Antonio Conte's job? And indeed, should it? Uh,
4: no, I don't. To be honest, um, I think it's a. I think it's a really important trophy for him because you have to remember he's never actually won a cup competition as a manager as well. So it is. It's quite. It would be quite a big thing to have off his shoulders. I don't think it's probably enough. Um, you know, when you when you think about. Today's game, getting in top four is probably to clubs more important than it is to win the FA Cup. Um, I think it's probably not enough to save his job. Whether he wants it to be saved or not as well is another question. Well, there is So, no, I I personally don't think I think it'd be quite a nice send off, really, more than anything. Um, And it would be, you know, I I think it should they should be going all for it as well. But I think it would be more of a send off than it would be to actually save him.
2: Mm. i think it's an interesting point isn't it liam actually you know uh i mean ollie's alluding to the point there that the club certainly will think that finishing in the top four is way more important than winning the fa cup um i'm curious as to know what the split is i mean marco's written some great stuff for you guys i think actually hasn't he about you know a lot of supporters maybe maybe it's supporters of a certain age like marco and me we cherish the fa cup massively um Personally, I, I I would much rather win the FA Cup than 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 I mean obviously I'd like to finish in the top four as well but if I had to choose between the two I'd pick FA Cup every time because the reality is in fifteen twenty years time I will remember the fact that Chelsea win the FA Cup in two thousand and eighteen but I won't have a clue where we finished in the league unless we win it which we're not going to so it, it's an interesting split isn't it I'd be curious to hear what you think
3: yeah and it's um it's it's indicative of like the the tension in modern football between the economics of where the game has gone, and 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 the traditional sort of, you know, striving for glory at, at all costs. You you have everyone from from about tenth on down in the Premier League absolutely petrified of getting relegated to such an extent that they'll put out weakened teams in the FA Cup and, and League Cup and, and and deprive themselves of any chance really of of of, um, of a win in those competitions just because league position is deemed to be more important to the bottom line and I think that that is certainly I don't think Chelsea are any different in that respect I think finishing the top four this year is especially important because missing it two out of three years is particularly damaging Um, you look at Chelsea's in what way
2: in what way in what way
3: well it's damaging in terms of prestige because it's harder to sell it it indicates more the trajectory that the club is on rather than you know, this was just a fluke, this was just a Mourinho season, as Conte would call it, um, that, you know, that that there are wider problems. But also, financially, it's a hit. You know, Chelsea is still trying to comply with financial fair play, and you look at their last financial results, and uh, you dig beneath the headline claim of a £15 million profit, and, and the only reason they made a profit that season was that because they sold Oscar for £60 million to China, which... You know, is not going to come along every year. They that was the year that they were without Champions League football, and it really hit the finances. the The new stadium isn't coming any time soon. Um, I know that they're pushing to increase their commercial revenue, but in the meantime, um, the Champions League income and the broadcast income is is a huge factor in how much Chelsea have to spend to to improve this squad and. You know, as we've discussed before, we I think we are heading into a, a key summer which will see a significant rebuild. And whether Chelsea finish in the top four or not will dictate whether they begin that rebuild from a position of strength or from a slightly weaker position.
2: Mm. Well, it's a great argument, Liam, but I'd still rather win the FA Cup. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, in part three, in part three coming up, well, I just do. I'm an old git, and I'm emotionally, I'm emotionally attached to it. What can I say? Uh, anyway, in part three, I mean, clearly, uh, I would like to to come into the top four, and well, probably win the league. But I know we're not going to do that. But uh, and win the FA Cup. But given a choice, I'd stick with the FA Cup every time. Right, in part three, I promised you uh, this earlier on. Not only have I have, have I delivered uh, JT, Captain Leader Legend, to your uh, to your podcast tonight. Uh, I'm now about to deliver you Frank Sinclair. Uh, talking of uh, former Chelsea players who uh, have have experienced FA Cup glory for Chelsea. Anyway, an interview with Frank is coming up after this short break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box.
1: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper
2: Chelsea. Football Fancast. Home. right we are back this is the chelsea fancast and i'm stanford chidge and i've got jonathan Kibb with me and the wonderful liam toomey from espn and uh the equally lovely uh ollie Harbord from Football. London. are you both okay chaps yeah good silence no no they're there uh, They're still there well yeah. Good, good, good. Right, uh, a very quick shout out of course for the ChelseaFanCast.com website, a brilliant website which would be even better if your Uncle Chidge could be bothered to write for it. I need to pull my finger out of my rear end and do so, but uh, in lieu of that there are some superb people writing on there so please check it out. Uh, they appreciate having their stuff read as much as I appreciate them putting it on there Now, as I was saying uh, before uh, said, uh, said break um, we've got this fantastic interview with Frank Sinclair which I recorded last week um frank is just a lovely lovely guy but uh, i'll let you judge for yourself as he talks about his uh chelsea career absolutely fantastic Let's get a load of it all right thanks frank for coming on the show so it's, it's a real pleasure and honor to to talk to you of course um you know first thing i really want to talk about is uh is of course you're you know you're a lifelong chelsea supporter i know that uh i mean what was yeah. it like to play for the club you supported as a boy it must have been huge
0: yeah massive for me because obviously I started supporting Chelsea at the age of nine. I was quite a local lad you know from Clapham i was I was raised in Clapham, so it was really you know a three or four miles away from from Stamford bridge, so you know that was the the club that I grew up supporting and and um obviously by the age of eleven, I was actually you know invited to Chelsea for trials. And um, went really well, and stayed there from the age of eleven all the way to through my school years until I was sixteen before signing my um, my apprenticeship forms for two years.
2: Excellent stuff. I mean, I I, I read somewhere you actually went to Pimlico, Pimlico School, which made me giggle because I've I've lived in Pimlico on and off for about thirty years. So there you go.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. My yeah, manner too. My I, mean, I live. I live the other side of the river. But yeah. Um, the schools over in South London were a bit rough, so um, <laughs> the mum decided to try and keep me out of trouble and, and send me to a a bit of a posher school, you'd say at the time, Pimlico Comprehensive. but no, it was great. It was great for football, you know. I, I, I played for the school teams um, uh, as soon as I got there, you know, played for the under-11s, which was a first year, um, right through school, and then I represented West London District and, and also London District as well for through the through the sports um, opportunities I got at my school, so it was very sports orientated and it, it suited me down to the ground, to be honest.
2: Brilliant stuff, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Pimlico, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, now, I mean, you yeah. know, you, you were obviously at Chelsea from the late '80s uh, up to the late '90s, and I mean, that was a that was a time of, of of real change for the club. I think I think a lot of supporters now. I mean, I know Roman came in in 2003. But I think a lot of us yeah. look back on it and we think, well, actually, that's when things really started, when Hoddle came in. I mean, how exciting right. was it for you yeah. to see those changes? I mean, the likes of Gullet and De Matteo and Viali and Zola coming in. I mean, it's a different world, wasn't yeah, it? it? Was,
0: um, yeah, unbelievable to be a part of, really, because, you know, I'd obviously supported the club and, and we'd never really had, you know, apart from obviously in the 70s when you had the big names of your Ray Wilkins and your Tommy Osgoods and, and people like that. In in that team, and then you know you had the uh, Kerry Dixon was a was a England player and stuff in the early 90s, late late 80s as well. But apart from that, we've never really had any real big names, you know, at the club. So when obviously Glenn Hoddle came to the club, um, that was a massive transformation for the club. And um, obviously his footballing ideas, we being brought up with the Tottenham way. You know, he tried to. To have that philosophy going into Chelsea, getting us getting the ball down on the deck and passing it, so the players improved because you know the the, the, the type of football that we we played um, in the early 90s, 93, 94. I think Glenn Hoddle came in. Um, you know that's when we started to play some really good stuff, and it attracted good footballers to the uh, to the to the football club. So um, for me, it was excellent. You know, seeing you know Glenn Hoddle signing the likes of Rude Hullet and Dan Pachescu and people like that. Um, really top-class players coming to play with me, and and we had a real, we was we was quite fortunate that we had a healthy um, plat plat um, a, a healthy platform for for the youngsters to come through into the team, and the likes of myself, Eddie Newton, Andy Myers, Jody Morris, Michael Dubry. you know the list before that of obviously Gareth Hall, David Lee, Jason Cundy himself um you know it was it was really healthy the young players that were coming through were of a, re- a very good standard to add to those players that were being signed by the club
2: yeah i mean it's interesting to hear that actually because of course you know those were the days when we actually managed to mix you know some world-class players with a lot of people that came up from the youth you know something that perhaps that we we miss these days uh but that i think is a topic for another day frank but um Let's let's go back to the FA Cup in 1994. I mean, I remember that. I mean, we were so, so pumped for that. Our, our first chance, yeah. you know, since 1970, 71, really, to, to win a trophy. And and it ended up being an absolutely horrible day. I mean, it absolutely chucked it down with rain. Uh, I mean, United oh, li- literally rained on our parade. But I, I still look back on that thinking that, actually, we were really unlucky with that. I mean, not least because of the two penalties, one of which, you know, you got penalised for... In my book, never a foul against Kanchelskis. It was outside the box, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, you could have done with VAR at the time, <laughs> for sure. You know, because I don't think I think that would have definitely been scratched off. But you know, like you said, it, it was a great experience because you could see the transformation of the club starting to look at you know getting to cup finals and stuff like that. Obviously, Man United was the best team in the land by a mile at the time with the, with the players and the, and the team that they had and. They ended up going on to win the double that year. But, you know, when we went into that game, we were were the only team that had done the double over United in the league. Um, So we went into the game with a lot of confidence and thought if anybody can beat them on the day in a cup final, that we could. But obviously, you know, for for 45 minutes, I thought we were on top uh, going in at 0-0. And there was crucial times in the game where Gavin Peacock hits the crossbar just before half-time. You know, if that goes in, he scored both the goals in in the 1-0 victories in the league as well. So if that goal goes in, then maybe we would have had a, a real belief going into the second half. But Man United got better in the second half. we got to give them credit for that and, um, and came out and really wiped the floor with us. But obviously, yes, the penalties, um, played a massive part. I made a mistake because my head was still, um, all over the place from, from the referee's decision against me with the first penalty, you know, which I knew wasn't a penalty anyway. um, um, against against us, so so yeah, it was it was a great experience being so young and being and playing, you know, at Wembley um, in a massive game. I know it was the second time we played it because we played Luton in the in the semi-finals at Wembley, which was the first time I think uh, a semi-final had ever been played at Wembley. So it was it was massive for our learning curve for all the youngsters that was involved, whether you played or not, just being a part of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, it, you know, it kind of. For us, it was a bit, you know, very much a feeling of Chelsea were back, you know, back where we belonged, and of course, of course, you know, because United won the double and everything, we ended up going into Europe uh, that next that next year in yeah. the Cup Winners' Cup, and actually, we did pretty well. And I think I remember you, you scored, didn't you, on your, you know, very quickly into your European debut? I think it was against, what was it uh, Victoria Zizkov, as I recall?
0: Yeah, that, yeah. I was, I was always, I didn't score many goals for Chelsea, but I seemed <laughs> to score in the big games. You know, I scored yeah. quite a few goals in European ties when needed to get back in in games, etc. So I was one for the big games, you know, in scoring. And obviously, you know, later on in my career, I scored in a cup final as well. So um, they were very far and few between, but quite important goals, I thought, that I got for the club when when I was there.
2: Yeah, that's what it's all about, mate. You've got to make them count. And in the big games is when it's really important. I mean, talking of which, I mean, we did end up getting back to the cup final in 1997 and and this time we actually won it you know de Matteo's amazing goal after 43 seconds but uh uh you know it was it, it was i mean i mean the euphoria about that i mean i remember it like it was yesterday it was huge for us first trophy you know for 26 years unbelievable i mean well i mean it sounds like a stupid question to ask somebody but i mean what did it feel
0: like mate yeah well, unbelievable and you know there was a there was a clear difference in the preparation for that game because, you know, without no experience of 94, I don't think we would have gone into that game with the same sort of mindset because, you know, one thing you do learn and you learn, you know, very quickly when you do play in a cup final, it's it's not enjoyable to lose. So, um, you know, um, the second time round, I think we were more determined to, you know, put the whole occasion on the back burner and just concentrate on winning the game. And and that's what we done when we went there for ninety seven and went into the game very focused and, you know, didn't let the occasion overall the players and especially myself in the likes of Eddie Newton and Dennis Wise who played in, in the ninety four cup final. I think there may have been a few others but not many, um, possibly Steve Clark. And um, you know, the one thing we did is we were fully focused on, yeah, it's a cup final and it's a great day and you get all the build-up, you know, the the um, BBC One being on your coach, go into the game, and etc. But we just um, took that more better, more prepared in our stride. That don't get you know sidetracked from the fact that you've got a game of football to win.
2: Mm, absolutely, and I think it was the thing that really set the ball rolling for us. Because of course, back, you know, following that up in 1998, we got the uh, got to the League Cup final. Uh, by which yeah. time uh, Luca had taken over, hadn't he? And I mean, there's that wonderful story about the semi-final against Arsenal where, where he gave you all a glass of champagne in the dressing room beforehand. I presume that was true.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, to be honest, though, it wasn't, It wasn't, wasn't the one that originated that because um, Ruud Hullet done that for the 90, oh, right. 97 Cup final as well because he, he sensed that the players were a bit nervous mm. in the changing before the game and he just popped open a bottle of champagne. He requested a bottle of champagne for the change room, popped it open, and then we all got our little teacups out, and he just poured a little glass, and he said, listen, boys, relax. And then we all had a a, a cheers, and then had a quick mouthful of the champagne before we went out for the warm up. So it was Rudolph that originated that. Obviously Gianlu- Gianluca would all remembered that from 97, um, the stories going on regarding that, and obviously being a part of it and i think it was um you know he he remembered that and, and took that into the the 19, in into the 98 semi final where he thought the boys were a bit nervous and and obviously
2: it worked. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely did it. I tell you that obviously I've been missing a trick. So I think what I'll do before every show I'll open up a bottle of champagne and uh, just relax our nerves <laughs> a bit, Frank. But there you go. I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously in the final, you know, you uh, you you scored the winner really. I mean, that's the that's the nub of it. Uh amazing to score in a cup final, I would
0: have thought. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, it's what dreams are made of as a kid. You know, you dream of playing for your local team. Yeah, you, know, you dream of playing for your country, etc. And you and you dream about scoring in, in cup finals. So for me to do that was, was brilliant and especially with Eddie Newton scoring um in the in the in the FA Cup final the year before, I knew I'd never hear the the last <laughs> of it unless I had something similar. So it was a, it was more important for that reason than anything really to to get a goal in in the in the League Cup final, so you know it was a tough game on the day and went to extra time, etc. And I actually got injured in that game after scoring that goal, and it ended up being my last game for the club. So that was it was a bit of a mixed feelings whenever I think back about that. Um, obviously, the euphoria of scoring in a cup final, but then you you think back that that was actually my last game for the club.
2: Yeah, I I was thinking about that, actually, because, of course, you know, a few weeks later, we ended up, uh, you know, playing Stuttgart in the Cup Winners' Cup final and and won our, you know, first European trophy since 71. And, of course, you did miss out on that. And, I I, I mean, it must have been gutting for you, mate.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, I played a a massive part in, obviously, getting getting to the semi-finals and then I missed the semi and and the final through the injury I got in the, in the League Cup final. So, uh, you know, I tried to get back in time. And I think I had uh, a fitness test a week of that game. But I think, yeah, me and, me and Graham Lasseau and Dennis Wise, all three of us, went out um, with a question mark whether mm. we'd be involved at a fitness test the day before the game. And Dennis got through it and me and Graham Lasseau struggled. So, you know, I knew... Obviously, then that I was going to miss the game and uh, disappointing, but still, you know, we were we were there to support the team mm-hmm. and and be a part of it, and you know, it was a great occasion. I I, I went up with the team to get a medal, um, which I was um, a bit embarrassed about really because I didn't feel that you know really deserved it because I didn't play, but you know, they was obviously wanted the lads that me and, and Graham Lassau and and Celestine Babiara, won they wanted us to have a medal because they thought we'd played our part a, along the way.
2: Mm, fair enough, uh, and and then as you said, you 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 ended up getting sold to to Leicester at the end of the season. Which uh, I mean, a lot of us were very sorry to see you go, but it must have been difficult for you, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't really the end of the season because I actually signed for Leicester two days before the beginning of the next season. So not only did I go there late, but I've been preparing to play for Chelsea again in the next in the next season, and was really excited about. It. I think I played. All of the games in pre-season and was one of the only players that did that and started to build up a little bit of a relationship with Marcel Desailly, uh, who had just been signed from the uh, by the club after winning the the World Cup as well. So I knew that Chelsea was going on to another level. Mm. So you know, and out the the week the week before the season start, I think I found out on the Tuesday that Chelsea had accepted a bid off Leicester. Um, you know, and I had conversations with obviously. Uh, Gianluca about that and you know he expressed that he didn't want me to go but you know from from higher above I think he was being put under pressure by Ken Bates that he wanted to get some money recoup some money back for the club because they'd spent quite a bit in that summer on the likes of Lau drop and, um, and Ferrer as well from Barcelona so you know there was you know basically Gianluca Viali's hands were tied And, you know, the decision was made down to me, but, you know, I was always a believer that I wouldn't be happy if I was sitting on the bench and not involved in games. So, for me, the decision I made was purely for the progression of my career. And I said, you know, I'll go and speak to Martin O'Neill and see what he had to say. And I was pleasantly surprised with, um, you know, what his plans were for, for Leicester City and and obviously being another Premier League club, and I think I, I trained with them on the Friday and played against Man United away on the Saturday. My first game, and we drew two two with them. And um I thought, you know, this is not as bad as it feels. It was. It took a little bit of the edge off of actually, you know, leaving leaving Chelsea.
2: I mean, we we loved you, and we we're all very sorry to see you go. But you know, you had a good career at Chelsea, and in fact, you went on on a good good career at Leicester too. So you know that that really. That is football, really, isn't it? I was just thinking, actually, Frank, yeah. you know, given the time that you were at the club and when it was, I mean, you know, did you did you believe that, you know, any time then that Chelsea would go on to achieve everything that they have over the last 15 years? I mean, I know none of us predicted Roman, but it's been remarkable, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah it has been remarkable. And, you know, I always thought that Chelsea were a sleeping giant mm. you know, while I was there because, you know, it was a fashionable club in the best part of London, you know, and um, the, the the capital of, of the country as well. So I always thought to myself that, you know, that it, it was a sleeping giant, and it was obviously a massive club in the 70s when they won the European Cup and et cetera. So, you know, I wasn't surprised when um, someone did come in and invest in, in the club, and and you knew that football was going to go in that direction at some stage anyway. But yet, like you said, you wouldn't predict, you know, Roman throwing the money that he did at the football club to get them to where they are now.
2: Mm, but the seeds were certainly planted then I think, with players like you and and the guys that came in so you I think you 're very much part of that story
0: yeah no thanks um, you know you know, it's, it's a real pleasure, and I take great pride in being um a part of the history of the football club now and and i'm really um, i'm'm I'm fortunate that you know I still play a part of the club by working. Um, with Chelsea TV in the media and being able to analyse lots of games because I'm a supporter anyway so I would want to watch Chelsea play anyway so to get paid to watch them play and, and, and speak my mind on performance and analyse the games and the players um, that we've got at the club is is something that you know I couldn't, I couldn't wish for anything better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Frank, you've been brilliant and I've really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Not a problem, not a problem.
2: Well, uh, I've got to say that was absolutely brilliant. I, I enjoy, as you can tell, I enjoyed every every minute of that interview with Frank, and he's clearly a lovely, lovely guy. Uh, and more than that, actually, it was really lovely to hear his recollections of what it was like to play uh, in that great side that we had in the in the late uh, mid to late nineties and uh, playing cup finals, scoring cup finals. Uh, and, and obviously a lovely lad. Loves his Chelsea, doesn't he, chaps? Uh, Jonathan, I mean, you know, you all remember watching Frank Sinclair play?
1: Yes, I did. What worried me about Frank all the time was,
2: um, um, and I'm sure some of us will, <clears> will um, agree with me,
1: was that um, he would always do something excellent. Like, he'd get the ball, and we'd all go, come on, Frank, yeah, Frank, good old Frank, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd, then he'd give the ball away. And, um, that, and then we'd go, oh, Frank, that appeared to be the... Uh, the the common um, the common reaction but uh, no unbelievably committed to the cause and uh, um, uh, and, and as you say uh, part of a, of a great team and um, uh, and clearly knows his football so yeah 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 um, joyous individual and in fact he, he's been supporting the club since he was nine hasn't he so he's uh, he's yeah he's hugely committed to the club even though he's still got a status he's got an ambassadorial role at Leicester as well because he he did so well for them, but, um, it's good that he's obviously such a decent chap that he, he, he's uh, not only a, an ace, um, pundit for uh, Chelsea TV, but also has a status at Leicester as well. So good for him. Great stuff.
2: Well, it absolutely right. And, uh, you know, he is, he's, a, you know, I, in a sense, actually, you know, what I think one of the things I tried to touch on, actually, you know, Frank, Frank came through in the youth, you know, he he's, a, he, he supported Chelsea from the age of eight years old. Um, and, uh, and then he ended up playing for for the club that he loved, and in, in a sense, you know, that th- th- doesn't really happen anymore. And I mean, he is a kind of a throwback in a way. I mean, Liam, you know, what, what do you think of Frank? Any any good memories of Frank, or are you, are you just too young, Liam?
3: No, I do I do remember I do remember <laughs> playing with Chelsea. Uh, um, My abiding memory of him actually is hearing an interview of him talking about the ninety seven FA Cup final, in which he was he he was recalling uh, Di Matteo's goal inside 42 seconds I was actually at that game um, and he he said it, he was at, he was herring down the, the right wing um, as Di Matteo was surging into the Middlesbrough half absolutely screaming for the ball because he was wide open and I remember him saying that he was he was absolutely livid when he saw Di Matteo pull his foot back <laughs> and it took <laughs> t- 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 him a few seconds to, to process what had happened and then obviously um, euphoria takes over, but in the in the moment, he was absolutely disgusted that Di Matteo hadn't looked up and played <laughs> it.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. Well, there you go. Great stuff. Uh, thank you so much for that, Frank. I think uh, you know the listeners will will hopefully enjoy that as much as I did doing it. And actually talking, because of course Frank can now be seen quite regularly on uh, on um, uh, you know the Chelsea Chelsea's coverage from the studio of of, of their games with uh, Jason Cundy and Tommy Langley. Uh, so, he, uh, as I said to him, I can't remember if this was in the interview or not, actually, but I did say to him that uh, he's the one sensible one in there because Jason told me get very excited. Uh, and talking of Cundy, actually, I, I Mr. Chidgy himself, Stamford Chidge, I'm going to be uh, going into the Talk Sports studio tomorrow because I'm going to be on the sports bar with Kundi and Goldstein uh, from half ten, I do believe. I was phoned up and summoned. Brilliant. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why, but uh, I shall be on Talksport tomorrow night. Oh, Chish, don't so of I can't wait. You know I hope why. I get to tell them. Of course you. know Well, I don't know Chish. why. Of course you know why.
1: Well, well,
2: why? Why then, Jonathan? Well, because you're informed. You're
1: informative. You're uh, relaxed. You come up with very good ideas.
2: Well, All right. Okay. Well, that's very kind of you, J.K. Well, that's a, uh, I can't wait to, say to, to to come. OK, thank you. It's in the post. Uh, I okay. can't wait because, of course, as you know, my wife works in London and I, I spend most of the week down in Hampshire in, in Winchester. And, uh, you know, I listen to, to the sports bar every night as I go to sleep. So I quite happily, you know, my my wife yeah. says, well, how are you? So I'm just going, I'm going to bed with Cundy and Goldstein, which is kind of true. I, I hope I get to say that line on air tomorrow. Um, But there we go. Uh, We should move on um, because we've got some, as as Tony, the lovely Tony Glover likes to call them, Jonathan, parish notices. I might steal that for for the fan cast, but the the first parish notice is, this is great and exciting news, our brothers from another mother, uh, nay, another continent, uh, the London is Blue podcast boys, uh, Nick and uh, Brandon, Brandon and Dan, uh, they're they 're invading the shores. the Yanks are coming, as somebody once famously said over what was it over sexton over here is that i mean, 'm not quite old enough to remember that, Jonathan you probably are
1: I remember it very well chid yes, yeah. I was over so there you go. And I was over there
2: Yes. yes. okay right that 's called uh, the Entente cordial uh anyway the uh, the yanks are coming uh, they 're coming over for the Easter weekend so they 'll be here to uh to hopefully see us beat Spurs, but uh, even more important than that, um, on uh, Saturday the thirty-first of March, uh, they are going to have a bit of a party uh, in the Atlas Pub upstairs. I would presume that's where we normally have them. Um, and their intention is to uh, drink lots of beer with their their London-based friends and the uh, the Americans that they're bringing over. And um, and uh, that's going to kick off at three o'clock. And in the middle of all of that lot, they're threatening to do another live podcast. Uh, and I suspect it'll be them plus a few of us. Uh, we'll do a bit of a Chelsea fan cast London is Blue mashup. Um, so there you go. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully uh, come along and have a few beers with us and listen to a live show. Uh, Liam, uh, I know you've uh, you've been to London is Blue parties before, haven't you? I remember having a beer with you at one of those before. Claire. London is blue podcast. Boys. Yes, sorry, In the Atlas. Yes, yeah. sorry,
3: I broke up a little bit there. Um, yeah, I've, that's right. I've been to a couple of them before. They're always good fun. I, I might be able to swing by to this one as well. Um, there's always a decent crowd out there, and and the, the great and the good of uh, of Chelsea support. So it's always good to talk to a few fans as well. Most of the time when we're tra- traipsing up and down the UK covering games, we're just talking to each other journalist group think we're not really mixing with the fans so it's good to good to get a different yeah. perspective as well
2: yeah it is it is it's going to be a cracker be a cracker all right chaps uh just a few other whizzy things to get through and i should say ollie uh I'm, i presume you're back with us and i feel very rude that i haven't spoken to you for ages are you still alive and well sir
4: i am still here yeah
2: yeah no worries at all good stuff never never upset your boss it's, <laughs> it's not a good move they tell me not a good move Uh, And by the way, actually, Ollie, thanks for putting those uh, articles up. I I don't really know how to describe those. They're the kind of the, you know, the righteous ones. I suppose they (laughs) moaning about moaning about ticket prices and Christ knows what else. Uh, I need to give them a bit of a retweet this week. I've just been—I've had a monster weekend, but I'll yeah. get on the case. But no uh, As ever, I enjoyed writing them, and thank you for 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 uh, you know alerting the uh, the general public to them. Um, right, okay, very very quickly, whiz through these. Chelsea Supporters Trust, join the trust, get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member, but if you want a badge and you want to be able to vote and attend the meetings, then you need to cough up a fiver. It's money well spent. The badges are fantastic. Uh, all you have to do is sign up at com, and uh, you can uh, follow them on Twitter at Trust. And the funniest thing of all, Jonathan, is when I was on the podding shed, uh, Tony, which unbeknownst to me, he also plugs the Supporters Trust. And do you know what he does, Jonathan? Tell me. He nicks the bit of script that I write for this, which of course I never change it, you know, from week to week. And I, and I said to him, I said, "You've nicked that from me, haven't you?" And he said, "Yes, I have." I said, "I know because it's so badly written, and you struggled reading it like I do." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: on a, on a so there team. you go. Uh, Can I just ask another note. Yeah. How is the uh, the trust um, communicating with it? Have, have you been with the with the club about the incidents at Barcelona?
2: Um, Yes, actually, that's a really, really good... Actually, that's a really good point. I don't mind digressing off on that point. But, yeah, um, you know, the minute... uh, uh, Some of you may or may not know. I mean, Liam and Ollie, actually be interested to hear what they have to say about this, because they were out there. But uh, uh, getting in and out of the the new camp was an absolute disgrace and a nightmare. And a lot of uh, Chelsea, innocent Chelsea supporters, uh, were assaulted, battered, in fact, by stewards with uh, batons, And they were also made to walk across a very rickety, temporary structure to to get into the ground, which is very dangerous. And they were kettled and corralled in a very uh, unsatisfactory manner through very narrow passageways and streets. So it's wholly, wholly unsatisfactory. I mean, in the the interest of balance and fairness, I know quite a few Chelsea supporters out there were rather badly behaved, drunk and abusive. But the reality is, is you know, out of five thousand supporters, you're always going to get a few people that do that. But unfortunately, it's the it's the you know the innocent ones that get get hurt in this, and they tended to be women and children and elderly people, and it's just not acceptable, and it happens all the time at Barcelona and other European cities like Paris and Italy, and frankly, UEFA need to do something about it. And to that end, um, or as always, the trust get on the case with this very very quickly because clearly we've got members and and. Quite often, board members who are out there, so they they have it, they they see it and are involved in it firsthand. Um, but the club, it has to be said, to their eternal credit, have gotten the case uber quickly, and uh, as to my knowledge, they've actually emailed every supporter who was out there because, of course, you know because of the ticket situation now they know who's out there, and they have um, you know asked them to write to them and tell them their experience. And the idea is that they're going to collate all of that information plus. Uh, any information that we get because we put out a similar request to get supporters to email us. Uh, Football Supporters Federation are involved, as is Football Supporters Europe, who are like the kind of Europe wide uh, body to represent supporters who have good connections with the UEFA. So the idea is that we put uh, a, a highly evidential case to UEFA and hopefully get things done. And I know people always say, Yeah, yeah, there, this always happens, nothing ever changes. To a degree, you're right. It hasn't, but you know you've got to keep trying because somebody needs to be held held account for this crap. Um, enough of my soapboxy rant. Uh, Ollie and Liam. I mean, you were out there, Ollie. What? What did you, do you know? Do you rec- I mean, I, you wouldn't have seen it, I suppose, because you would have been in the press box. But I mean, I'm sure you were aware of what was going on.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we. We, we wouldn't really know what was going on at the, at that time. I mean, I went uh, before the game, about around four o'clock-ish, I sort of went to where the Chelsea fans were congregated just to take a bit of footage um, for the website and take a bit of footage myself as well. And, you know, it was all very um, jovial, you know, a lot of obviously a lot of drinking going on, but there were police around not really interested in look, looking to get involved in anything. You know, Chelsea fans all in very, very good spirits. But it is the problem, isn't it, when um, you do these away trips now... English fans in particular generally do have a bit of a target on their back, even if they're not doing anything wrong. Um, and, you know, I think it was one of those incidents there. Um, and straight away, the club, as you say, they were straight out. And the, the press officer, after the game, when he was asked the question, was wanted people to come forward straight away. And I hope that a lot of people have, because you just don't want to see it repeated all the time.
2: Mm. Liam, anything to add? No, I mean,
3: yeah... I agree with everything Ollie said. I think um, it, it, it's a big problem for all English clubs, not just not just Chelsea when they go away in, in Europe. And I think there's a growing frustration on behalf of the clubs that that this issue, not not least the supporters, that this issue keeps arising. I mean, we're we're still kind of dealing in terms of the reputation of English fans with the you know the legacy of the of the 1980s, and uh, I, th- I know that other. You know, other fans when when English fans come to their country seem to see it as a little bit of a challenge at times, and that's caused problems in the past. And it also seems to cause problems with with the authorities, with police, and with with stewards who occasionally um, come come in. I think with a, a preconceived idea of what to expect. Now, obviously, you you generally do get mischievous chanting, um, and 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 some fans will will take it too far. Uh, but you know, you, at the end of the day. You, Stewards and and police are, are held to a higher standard than um, than ordinary civilians for a reason, and um, you know the footage that we saw was 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 pretty unacceptable, and it it, it didn't look great. It's just sad that we have to keep ha- having these conversations, and hopefully, I know I know Chelsea are um, collating as much evidence as they can to send to UEFA, and 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 hopefully they we'll see some real action this time.
2: Yeah, here to that. I mean, I, I just a final comment on it. It's interesting that it happens in France, Spain and Italy. And yet when we go to Germany and other European countries, it doesn't happen, which tells me that ultimately it's the policing that's at fault. And, uh, you know, because the fans won't change, they'll be the same everywhere. Although I also have to say, you know, there is an element if you treat supporters like animals, they'll behave like them. You know, if you treat them like adults and human beings, they tend to behave themselves a little bit better. But anyway, enough of that. Um, Right, uh, very quick parish notice carrying on. Uh, CPO, of course, Uh, if you want to protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim, of course, is to ensure that the club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever and ever and ever. Uh, To go and buy one, you have to email info at chelseapitchowners.com or just check out the Chelsea FC Club website and uh, follow them on Twitter at Pitch Owners. And they are now only £25 each, which is a lot cheaper than they used to be, which is £100. Quid. And they've also got a, a big annual uh, kind of lunch coming up sometime soon. It's rather pricey at £150 quid a ticket. Uh, but Ken Bates will be their guest of honour. And forgive me, Charles, I can't remember the date, but I'll check it out for next week. Uh, latest uh, issue of CFC UK is available, of course. Um, in fact, it's been around for a while. And I need to get myself a blooming copy because I haven't got one yet. Um, But uh, you can get it in person if you go to the stall, which is opposite Fulham Broadway tube on match days. Uh, And if you can't do that, you can subscribe online at CFCUKNet. And if you're in the USA, uh, follow at CFCUKUSA. They'll tell you how to get a proper copy out in the States. Now, last but by no means least, our usual shout out for Patreon, which is... Uh, A little kind of scheme whereby if you like what we do, uh, you can voluntarily donate to it. As I said, it's a bit like uh, if you pay only a pound for the fanzine, if you pay kind of You know, a dollar per show, then it's about $5 a month, and uh, it keeps me in beer, which is never a bad thing. But uh, in all seriousness, you don't have to. No pressure. If you want to, it's lovely. We do appreciate it. And as I keep saying, I've had some ideas in from you about what we might do for the Patreon members. When I get a moment, I'll have a look at them and see what we can come up with. Anyway, if you want to go to Patreon, it is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com. Forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Right, uh, I'm now out of puff officially. Hopefully, Jonathan's been doing his vocal exercises because we've got more emails from you for Jonathan to read out in a minute. Real fans, real
1: opinions.
2: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea. Right, welcome back, I'm Stanford Chidge and this of course is the Chelsea Fancast and uh, with me tonight have been the wonderful Jonathan Kidd (laughs) and the wonderfully erudite journalistic twins that we have on I love the fact that I get these two on the same show Jonathan actually, I think it's working very very well but as always it's an absolute pleasure to have Liam Toomey from ESPN with us
3: Good to be with you, Chidge.
2: Lovely. And, uh, of course, Ollie Harbord from Football.London. Who, and both of them have been great tonight. Thank you, guys. And Ollie in particular? No worries. I'm just, uh, I've never been called a journalistic twin before. I quite like that expression. Well, <laughs> you are. I mean, it's, this, is the, this is the second time we've done it. We've had you both on together. But I do think it, it's... I like it. It makes it for a very different show. Uh, Jonathan, what, what say you?
1: I feel the, uh, completely inadequate
3: in this... <laughs>
2: There we go. Well, Mission accomplished then. Well,
3: Ollie and I don't look anything alike, but we did We did both tweet no. about Kante's excellence for about 10 seconds apart on, on the weekend. So. Did
2: you? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, you, you, and, you and many others, I suspect, guys. But no, it's genuinely, uh, genuinely lovely to have you both on. Uh, I enjoy reading your stuff. Uh, and uh, looking at your tweets, and even more, I enjoy having beer with you when the very rare occasions uh, for that arise. Ollie, we need to have a beer with you. Absolutely, you know, we absolutely. need to sort this out, Ollie. Well, I hope you, hope you make the uh, you.
4: London is Blue night as well. So, oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely.
3: no, that that'd
2: be brilliant. Yeah. yeah, get you down, get you down. But we're not allowed. We're not allowed Definitely. to. We're not letting London is Blue nick you for a podcast unless you have already. <laughs> that's fine. I haven't actually. You know? No, no, no. Um, no I'm no, looking no, forward you're to. You're banned. You're banned from London is Blue. I'm looking forward to them you know, paying my flight time. Yeah, well, no, they do it by Skype, mate. It doesn't cost you a bean, <laughs> but that's not the point. No, no, I'm fed up. I'm fed up of them nicking all the people that I know and like. It's just not fair, <laughs> mind you. I go on it, mind you. I do go on it, and then I forget that I'm supposed to be on, like I did the other week, and uh, I still haven't uh, screenshot. They, they sent me this hilarious um, uh, kind of mock-up. You know uh, that the scene in Ghost where Patrick Swayze's got his arms round uh, Demi Moore, and they're making a rather phallic sculpture in pottery they kind of lifted that and put my face on it. As to, and They did this on the Skype message because I just wasn't there and they'd been, like, Skyping me saying, where are you, Chidge?" You know, so apparently I really let them down. I'm amazed they haven't put it on Twitter, actually. That's the first thing I would have done. But I might, I might beat them to it. Anyway, we're prattling on, as always, all my fault. Uh, Jonathan, we have some lovely emails from our listeners, don't we?
1: They are lovely. I've never been asked by anybody to be in any other programme.
2: That's because I've got a D notice around you because you're such a special talent to the Chelsea (laughs) fan cast that you can't you're not allowed to be on any other anybody else's show. That's
1: the tenor. You you are
2: basically you're basically de facto me. Okay, so you can't go anywhere. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Um, That was that was actually a compliment. It was
1: evidence of support. Thank you very much. I will now read the uh, emails uh, in a very effervescent bubbly manner as a consequence. Ready? Yeah. All right. This is from Toby Bigloss. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> uh, dear Chidge and the gang, I'm a long-time listener from Toronto who's been compelled to finally email you by the spineless nature of the defeat at City. I can hear here. Coupled with the angst of watching Matic belt in the winner against Palace. Here Whilst I prematurely consumed a pint celebrating United's dropped points. Here's me another pint i just went yeah in the past when antonio's spell over me was stronger i would look upon joe tweed's tweets tweed's tweets say that 10 times fast jonathan okay tweets 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 questioning conte's decision with a degree of skepticism over time conte's constant prattling on about his lack of finances and his insistence on not using a striker has eroded any goodwill I had in my heart for him, and instead inclined me to side with Joe's occasional dim view of him. I'd thought that Conte's demure nature in his first year at the club was a welcome respite from Jose's constant whining, but it has proved to have been due to his poor command of English at the time, not a difference in character. Absolutely agree with you there, Tommy. With my sobered perception of Conte in tow, I went into the city match, hoping for a hard-fought draw at best, but was not ready for the utter capitulation on show. Despite hoping for immediate changes at half-time, I, along with people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest, hey knew that Conte wouldn't make any substitutions until there was 10 minutes or so remaining. To do so any earlier, would be to admit he'd made an error in his team selection, something he was loath to do even in the aftermath of the bloodbath away to Watford. In between shouting at the TV and holding my head in my hands, I found the time to miss the comparative humility of Mourinho, who showed no shame in making changes as soon as he saw something wasn't going to plan. Yes, viz Joe Cole at Newcastle, taken off in the first half after 20 minutes. I agree with Mark's admonition. Losing 6-2 would have been better than the non-reaction we saw on Sunday. Now, having watched Moose substitutions change the Palace match in his favour, I'm further entrenched in my bitterness as Conte's lack of action. Isn't madness, by definition, doing the same thing over and over while expecting different results? Now that Hazard has publicly questioned Conte's stubborn tactics after they took him out of the equation, as opposed to City having to do so themselves... I've had enough of Conte's histrionics. I love him for having delivered us the title in the way that he did. But his negativity, both in press conferences and team selection, is draining the already depleted team morale. Acknowledging that the title race was over as early as he did has sacked the players of any will to compete domestically. I can understand having a gripe with the board because they've hardly helped his cause, but the rate at which Conte has a go at them makes me wonder whether he's shrewdly orchestrating his demise so that the media narrative will skew in his favour once he inevitably leaves under a storm cloud and points fingers at the board. Constant whinging about ambition aside, Conte's alienation of Hazard is inexcusable, especially before such a crucial summer transfer window where his faith Will be tested by Madrid, who would surely never substitute him when in dire need of a result. While I'm no advocate for player power and the managerial carousel it spins around, the thought of losing our little Belgian because of a manager who already has a foot out of the door infuriates me. It's enough that we turned a blind eye to De Bruyne's apparent quality and rid ourselves of him to appease Mourinho's ego. Losing Hazard would be a catastrophe of immense proportions, whose ripple effect could cost us the signatures of other world-class players. As I see it, the ability to fashion ourselves into de facto challengers to other super clubs, should the board get off their laurels and add to the squad instead of this hopeless sell to buy nonsense, hinges upon our ability to retain hazard and thereby attract other top talent. As the soprano's little Carmine once said in what I consider to be the greatest malapropism of all time, We're at the precipice of an enormous crossroads. Chelsea could do well (laughs) to look back at this crossroads and say they made the right choice in doing whatever it took to secure Ed and Hazard's extended stay at Thamford Bridge, no matter the consequences. Cheers. I hope to enjoy a pint or five with you all in the near and hopefully not so gloomy future where we aren't struggling to make the top four. And Courtois, has finally fucked off to Madrid, leaving us with a peaceful international break. Tommy Milos. fantastic mail, my god, brilliantly. You like that? <laughs> brilliantly written, and I, you like that? I completely agree with everything he says about Conte. Absolutely Marvelous. agree you shoot? with all of it. That's exactly my gripe all the way through this season. He's been such a disappointment mm. with all of this, and that big thing about last year not being able to express himself. Because he couldn't speak the language, He's absolutely right. Now that he can speak better, we're seeing the the real side of him. I mean, all you need to do is look at the way he expresses himself in in Italian, in all those those uh, arguments he's having with journalists, and you see what he's really like. He's, as we know, he's unbelievably volatile and willing to say whatever he feels like. And I'm, I'm and we're now seeing the real him, unfortunately. So, um,
2: not not a fan then, Jonathan. Not anymore.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not. No. I don't really. I don't like. The, the club um, being dissed by the manager I really don't mm. I, I think it's just you, you never diss your boss I don't diss my boss doesn't matter what
2: you think about no. them. you don't Oli you know. have, have I ever dissed you
4: um. <laughs> no, but there's still time. There's still time, Church.
2: Okay. All right. I was worried for a minute. I thought he was going to say yeah uh, on that occasion. On that occasion, Never. I've always been lovely Never. to you, Ollie. What are you talking Absolutely about? Absolutely. Listen, lovely. I've got some great break. <laughs> I've got some breaking news. Number one is that uh, the wonderful uh, uh, Eddie McCready's Blue and White Army on Twitter have informed me that uh, the CPO dinner is this Friday. So if you want to buy a ticket, you better hurry up. And even even more exciting, I've just te- checked our Twitter feed because I put up a tweet, uh, basically just to say that uh, a great interview with uh, the wonderful Frank Sinclair is now running on uh, Chelsea Fancast as we speak, and uh, Frank has uh, written back and said my pleasure with a great big thumb thumbs up. So how lovely! I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, all right, uh, next one. This is from the Melbourne the Melbourne Mob, isn't it, Jonathan? It is indeed. Who? Um, uh sent some
1: wonderful gifts to us, which, uh, funny enough, which I've they yet did. to spread it to you. I've got to give them. We're going to give them to you on Friday. Oh. But uh, oh. I know. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I finally managed to get them out from the the, the post office. who'd uh, who'd been hanging on to them. Oh, for right. So, but it's brilliant. Okay. Their branding is brilliant. And they're, uh, they're really clever.
2: I'm excited. They're mate.
1: clever guys.
2: Oh, by the way, did I, I'm not sure if I said it on last week's show, but, uh, I got an honorary membership from New York Blues and a nice shiny badge, and one from Atlanta Blues, which was lovely because I met them in the, in the Cock pub. So if I didn't thank you last week, I'm thanking you all this week. Well
1: done. But um, Dan and Rusk just do great work for, for Melbourne they Chelsea Supporters Club. It, it's brilliant and it's uh, so professional and so beautifully done. And uh, congratulations. Anyway, Dan, Dan Thorne. Hi, Chich, JK, and Fancast team. <clears throat> Dan from the Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club, MCSC here. Russ Saunders, right hand man. I'm the treasurer of the club and editor, stroke writer, stroke designer of the newsletter. JK, thank you for your kind words about it in early podcasts. Well, I can only double it and triple it because it's superb stuff. I've been listening to the podcast for a few years now, find it both entertaining and informative, especially being on the other side of the planet and not having access to the UK media other than via sports news websites, which are often throwing Chelsea under the bus or complaining about us parking the bus. I've also gleaned some ideas from your chats for the newsletter on occasions too. Apologies, as I'm sure the check is in the post. Yes, lots of people <laughs> owing you, change at the moment. On to my thought mm. of this season, and possibly Chelsea's ongoing position in the EPL powerhouse standings. With Man City, are we seeing a more devastating version of what we did to the league when Roman took over? I know you guys spoke a bit about this a few weeks ago, but like, I'd like to put my pennies worth in. Will Chelsea return to top of the league or drift into the battle for fourth, fifth or sixth in seasons to come? We moved the financial goalposts in the EPL back in the day, but did we help create a monster that can't be controlled? Now with better TV deals, the so-called lower teams have more money and the two Manchester clubs, one due to being owned by a very rich country and the other having set up a money-making off-field finance operation while the EPL was finding its feet, are the Goliaths of the league. As we find ways to compete in our our own way, we may end up being left in their dust and have a few minnows snapping at our heels. The picture from Oz is that the transfer market isn't as rich pickings talent-wise it once was, and finding a Czech, Drogba, SEN, etc. international isn't as likely, and the competition for players is wider spread, especially with the Chinese money entering the market. The same could be said for domestic talent. I don't see a comparison to Lampard, Duff or either of the Coles out there in the market. This isn't just a problem for Chelsea. This is across the board, I feel, as Manure have found out with their investment in Smalling, Jones, etc. We've seen a couple of the youth players and they look good, but only time will tell if they fill the shadows that the past players have cast across Stamford Bridge. This isn't meant to be a doom and despair email. In fact, quite the opposite. I think a few years of building through our youth and looking into the market at lesser-known internationals may prove it's worth worth it, but patience is in order. As supporters, and for us overseas watching at stupid O'Clock, we have to look at the longer game, and that a rebuild is on the cards, not just for the bridge, but across the club, and this will give us a firmer foundation. As for continuing to be a powerhouse, there was a feeling when Roman took over that no other club would be able to catch us, but they did. And this will be the case with Man City. They may have it all for the next couple of years. Maybe not. But either way, football has a way of writing itself. Liverpool were the richest club in the country in the 70s and 80s. Manchester in the 90s and noughties. They were both brought back to the pack. I'm a man of a certain age and share the same view of a number of the MCSC members that we remember when we were shit and getting the likes of Duncan McKenzie or Colinville Jones as a summer signing was a reason to be excited. But time has moved on and we have to move with it and trust that for every fleck, there will be a Nevin. We can still enjoy the blues come what may and keep the blue, blue half flying high, whatever land we watch the games from. A shout out to all the Melbourne Chelsea boys and girls and a thank you to Lydia, our chairperson, for her work for the MCSC over the last few years, but who has returned back to the UK recently. We miss Ian. Uh, okay. We miss her, I think that might be. Well, yeah, yeah. It says we miss Ian. On the, on the Anyway.
2: Maybe they
0: do. Actually, they do.
1: We miss Ian as well as her. Anyway, <laughs> Ian in. Um, thanks in advance for reading my Witterings and keep up the good work. I'll be over at the end of March. We'll hopefully be going to the game against the Whites. Does that mean Fulham are going to be promoted? If there's it's a chance... No, charge, spurs you, I know. I was just being, you know, disingenuous. In naughty. naughty. If there's a chance to pop into the pub and say good day, uh, I'm not a skip. I'm not a skip, so it will sound naff. And buy you boys a pint, I would love to do so. Please let me know if you're likely to be going to the game. Well <laughs> what? Well we definite we go to every game. <clears throat> At home. I'll be in the cock Yes, in the cook, yes. Yours forever blue, Dan Thorne, MCSC Treasurer and General Blue matic Well done, mate.
2: What, what a superbly intelligent email, uh, wasn't it? They're
1: a good lot out there, aren't they? They, in, they no, are, a, but he a, really knows like, his onions. Oh, he does. He does, and referring to uh, um, uh, Duncan McKenzie and, uh, and Bill Joan were good uh, good references there, actually. Every, okay, for quiz player.
2: question. Yeah, go on. Quiz question. What was what was Duncan McKenzie best at, and how does it relate to N'Golo Kante? Um, what
1: was he best at, uh, very good one he played for nottingham forest he played for blackburn um he was good at um, driving a mini
2: no yes. he could jump over a mini wow i knew there was a mini involved but not nece- yeah but not necessarily with Angolo kante driving it
1: so basically he could jump and then but miss the mini
2: yeah yeah. No, he could jump over from a standing minutes. star. He could jump over a mini. There's a wonderful photograph of him just after in that wonderful Umbro kit, just after we signed him. It was his party piece. Anyway, well, we move over on, the, JK. The
1: front of the mini or the whole of the mini?
2: The whole of the mini.
1: What you mean lengthwise as well?
2: No, no, from side to side. Well, over the bonnet or
1: over the the cabin?
2: No, over the bloody mini. Go and Google the picture. I'll I'll try and Google it for you. Blimey, I'm doing you it. I'm are doing it now. A mine of. Mi- Useless information. Minimal
1: information. Yeah. This is from <laughs> Kunle Anderin. Hello, Chidge and the gang. Some questions. Are you still congratulating William for hitting the post twice in the home match? Oh, good point. <laughs> meow. Yeah. Where is Barkley? He's injured again. Hamstring. Same hamstring injury he had uh, when he came to the club, when he didn't come to the club the first time. Uh, Where is Matic? Yes, it's annoying that he appears to be playing quite well. He appears to be playing better than anybody else um, for for United. Um, Where is Costa? Yes, all right. All right, Kunle. All right. Is the team good enough to even make the top four? As Conte would say, we must pay great attention. Tell the board, Marina and Roman, to do its work. Cheers, Kunle and Durin. Very good points. Very good points. Yes, yes, all right. But, um, yeah. OK, moving on. Yep. Nick Barkley. Hello all. Love the show and look forward to it every week. Thank you, Nick. We love you too. I want to start out by saying I applaud the team for their effort against Barcelona. It was the performance we were hoping for, just not The result? No, because we lost 3-0. As I watched the match against Barcelona, I think I figured out why our attack has been so woeful of late. The midfield. We don't have a goal-scoring threat in midfield, and it hurts us every game. I see Fabregas and Kante on the ball with time and space in and around the 18-yard area, and they are always looking to pass. That isn't to say they aren't good players, but it makes us too easy to defend. If our front three are snuffed out or off form, the only source of goals we have is an Alonso free kick. Gone are the days of Lampard, Ballock, Joe Cole, Juan Mata, making opposing teams pay for bracketing our strikers. And we're the worse for it. Having a goal-scoring midfielder causes defences to get bent out of shape and create more room behind as defenders are pulled away from goal to close down shots. Now, I realise that Lampard and Ballock are both generational players, but signing a midfielder worth 10 goals a season needs to be a must. It also makes me sympathise with Conte, because it isn't down to tactics. He just doesn't have the type of player he needs, so he keeps telling us. For reference, Vidal averaged just shy of 10 a season at Juve. Pogba was also good for 10 a season at Juve under Conte. This needs to be a priority, whoever the manager is next season. Thanks as always for being a constant source of Chelsea news, opinions, and a good chuckle. <laughs> Up the Chelsea, Nick in New York. Well done, mate. Excellent. Um, the um, uh, What was he saying? The, I think we talked about that, didn't we, about having a, a goal scoring midfield. But we discussed that. That's what, that's what we you did. Really we need did. To, to get with Kante, you just need somebody um, on a par with him who's uh, top banana in the midfield. Yep. Yeah who can score
2: we should thank nick nick you know nick's one of our new writers so we should thank him profusely for for what he's been doing he's a top lad nick It'd be lovely to meet him one day yeah. uh, in the pub and have a beer wouldn't it yeah fantastic
1: once again now new jonathan york, i love it i love all the new york boys i think it's great i think uh, uh, everybody from new york is in america everybody around the world wonderful
2: uh, as uh, um, uh, as I said, I promised you I would. Um, I found a picture of Duncan McKenzie jumping over a mini, sadly, uh, when he was playing for Leeds, not Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to tweet it to you, uh, uh, you know, uh, on uh, that thing that they call Twitter uh, oh, yeah. right now, Twitter. in fact. Yeah. So you, you'll be able to have a look at it. It's going up right now as we speak it's gone there you go okay i shall
1: get my manservant there you footage. go yeah.
2: and anybody else will be able to see it as well oh. so there you go uh right i better i, I better wrap up jonathan as always brilliant uh reading of the emails uh pat yourself on the back and uh pour yourself a sherry i shall
1: and go right. sweet sherry i think right a schooner indeed. a schooner of sherry
2: thank you. a schooner even yeah. yes indeed now uh you 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 hairy lot out there uh thank you thank you thank you thank you we do love receiving your emails uh, and as you know, we'll always try and read them out on the show. Uh, but you must send them to me. And I've, I'm changing the rules now. You need to have sent them to me by Sunday night. All right? Or Sunday, because that's when I'm writing the script when I can. Uh, so, like, for for example, I, I wrote it last night after the game. So if you sent it to me on a Monday, as one person did, I think it was Robert, forgive me if that's the wrong name, it won't make the cut, but it will be first next week. All right? Anyway, send them to ChelseaFanCast at Gmail. Dot com. There we go. Right, dear people, I'm very sad to report that this is the end of the show for this week. Uh, now, I've made a bit of a, a, fo- a faux pas, a, fo- a fox poo, as uh, Mick Quinn might say, um, because uh, we may return on Monday the 26th of March at 7 o'clock, but as it's the international break, I might decide to take the week off. Uh, so you have been warned. Um, but I, I need to sort that out and the, and the schedule for the rest of the season... Like, pretty damn quickly, but there you go. Anyway, I'll let you know either way. Uh, Bottom line is international breaks, absolutely bugger all to talk about, and it just depresses me. So, you know, unless there's a bloody good reason, I think I'll probably have the week off. Uh, There will be a show which I will mention in a minute, but uh, before that, of course, I will be recording the Kerry Dixon show with one and only Kerry Dixon, uh, this Thursday, with a bit of luck. So make sure you download and listen to that. The usual places, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, you know the places to go. Uh, And as we said at the top of the show, um, on Friday this week, between 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock in the evening, there will be uh, another Chelsea fancast for the lovely people at Love Sport Radio. Jonathan, Clayton and Ollie will be talking about the Leicester game and lots of other stuff as well stuff that i have yet to write but we'll think about this week uh now the best thing is is that you can phone in and join in the show and debate with them live that's the whole point of it really the number to call jonathan is shall i read it out to you again or do you have the script in front of you Oh, two
1: oh eight seventy twenty five
2: five eight. 208 70 yeah uh, aaron loves it when he when jonathan does that if you if you listen last week you'll know what i mean but you know i think i think Aaron's you know, basically in love with Jonathan and is just starstruck. He's starstruck. He, he's yet to actually realize that I am the Chelsea fan cast. I think he thinks that Jonathan is the Chelsea fan cast. I will, I will obviously be sending the lads round to explain this to him in very frank terms, but he's basically in awe of Jonathan. So he's basically feeding Jonathan... Like an idiot. It's just very sad to see. Although uh, the the mitigation for it is is that it actually reduces me to tears of laughter, which is no bad thing on a Friday night. It's quite, it's worth listening to. It's a very different show from this one. It's all about the debate and bigger topics and you know than the games themselves. And ad breaks uh, and actually ad most breaks, of all Lots of and ad breaks. break Well we can't do anything about we can't do anything about the ad breaks. Not our problem. I know. Uh but the great thing, of course, is that you can phone up. That's the point. So, bloody phone us up. We need your calls. Anyway, 0208 702558. Or as Jonathan would say, 0208 702558. Well, well done. That was Jay. pretty good. Yeah, if you want to do... That was pretty good. That was a pretty good... If you want to do my work tomorrow. I could do a whole show as you one day. I might just do it, actually, just for shits and giggles. Oh, thanks. Uh, anyway, uh, we will, of course, remind you of all of this. What? Might be you at the same time? Well, this time? is me. And... You can swap. Yes, or as Mike, Mike Yarwood would say, and this is me. That's one for the teenagers, isn't it? Anyway, uh, we will remind you of this constantly before Friday. Friday, I promise. Uh, as I said, I won't be with them all, as I'll be at the Stiff Little Fingers and the Ruts gig that night. Pogoing and drinking. Yeah. Mate, I am so pumped for that, it's not true. I'm going with my best mate, my best mate in the whole universe, who is is called Simon Kane, who is an absolute legend, because he's the only person in the world other than my wife who really loves me. And he's a Saints fan, so I shall be ripping out of him on Friday, but we will be drinking a lot of beer and pogoing. And it'd be great. But anyway, uh, Jonathan and Clayton and Ollie will be in the capable hands of the lovely Cockney Red Aaron Paul. And as I said earlier on, Love Sport uh, can be found on 558 AM, 558 AM, (laughs) and on the uh, London DAB digital channels. But of course you can listen to it on the website which is uh, lovesportradio.com and you can listen to it on one of those appy type things like radio, player and tune in. You can listen to it wherever you are in uh, in the world and you can phone in from wherever you are in the world. But if you're going to do it from abroad, do it on Skype because it won't cost you any money or it will cost you less money. I don't know, whatever. Uh, anyway, check it out. Um, right, um, you can also follow us, little little show here at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge. Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and Oliver at OJ Harboard. and of course, uh, you know they can be found at at ESPN. Is, is it at ESPN, uh, Liam? It's
3: uh, at ESPN FC is the football subdivision, but yeah, they yeah. they've got a few different Twitter handles. Pretty big company.
2: <laughs> yep. Good, 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 good. Uh, subdivisions. I like that. It's a good words. Great Rush song for those that like Rush, but uh, ESPN FC for Liam. And of course, uh, it's football. It's, I always get confused with the foot. It's like, I, it, I, can you remind me, Ollie? Because I always get this wrong. The Chelsea bit and the football London Twitter.
4: Yeah, so the uh, Chelsea one is at Chelsea underscore FL. And the Football London one, I can't remember how bad it is. That? Yeah, I see, I know, it it's is. not easy. Because I always use the
2: Chelsea It's one not myself.
4: intuitive. Uh, I, I've, yeah. I've completely forgotten what it is off the top of my head. God, I'm going no, to get saved. Well, it is. Yeah. I've got
3: it in front of me. It's football underscore LDN. LDN, that's the one, And yeah. you, can, you can pay me yeah. for that
4: promo later uh, on. Absolutely, yeah, you can <laughs> take my job. <laughs>
2: Here we go. See, you know all this aggro all this aggro between America, Russia, Europe, and us. You see, and yet we've got ESPN and Football. London giving each other love. There you go. On the Chelsea fan. Only the only the Chelsea fan cars can do the this. Journalistic people, twins. You know we bring the love that's that's right yeah I'm sorry about that Oli uh, <laughs> I've now upset my boss so this is no good <laughs> no. I mean of course as Ollie will tell you you know the, you really just need to read the Chelsea bit because of course that's where Oli writes all the time and occasionally I, I pop one along every week so there you go uh, right uh, talking of writing I've mentioned the ChelseaFanCost.com website huge amounts but if I don't Gion kicks me where it hurts so uh, massive thanks to Heon for organising it and all the bloggers who write for us uh, and do check it out uh, there Twitter and Facebook uh, ChelseaFanCost on Facebook easy to find there we go. Right, we should go because we've been waffling on far too long. It's been great fun tonight. I mean, bloody hell, we've had a show with Jonathan on, with Ollie and Liam on, and with JT on and Frank Sinclair. I think I'm just going to retire after this one. It's just I can't, I can't set the bar any higher. But, uh, Jonathan, as always, you've been superb. Thank you so much. Have fun on Friday and behave yourself without me.
1: Thank you, Tish. I'll be on my best behaviour and Ollie can keep me uh, under his thumb. <laughs> I'll try. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, Ollie, as as always you've been brilliant on here. real joy and pleasure having you on the show and uh, please keep Jonathan under very heavy manners next Friday.
4: I'll make sure they still want you for the week after. Don't worry.
2: Well, yeah, they probably they probably have it, if they if, if they if they without me on there, they'll say, "Well, god, this is much better without that miserable old coot just kind of giving us a hard time." They'll probably say, "Ollie, can you replace Chip? We don't really like him." So there you go. Uh there we go. So I, I'll need to contemplate that next week when I'm not doing a show. And uh, Liam, as always, great to have you on, mate. And thanks for phoning up uh, uh, on the Love Sport Radio show. And we'll, we'll get you back on. And I think we've got you slated in to come in one week as well, haven't we?
3: Yes. Yeah, I can't remember the exact date, but it's sometime in April, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. We'll have Looking beers afterwards. That.
2: That's, that's the, yeah. Well, the best thing about the show is it finishes at nine and then we run like hell to the pub, which is a mere two minutes away. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we we get to see Mike Parry having a couple of pints before he does his talk sports show, and we get drunk. It's great, <laughs> I'm loving it. And the first, right, we should the first we should go. What? Well, sorry, Jonathan. The first round is on. Yeah, me. the first round. And Jonathan is incredible. I mean, considering Jonathan's not a massive drinker, he's an incredibly generous person at the bar, which I have always said is really what constitutes being proper Chell. So well done, Jonathan. Right, we really do have to go. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me tonight. Thank you, all the wonderful people in Mixler who uh, who give up two hours of their night to come and be with us. We love you all. You're fantastic. Right, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chelsea. Yeah. Up the Chell's! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.